In Steiner's lecture called The Fall of the Dark Spirit, given October the 26th, 1917, he stated, In the future, the soul will be eliminated by drugs. Under the pretext of a healthy point of view, there will be a vaccine by which the human organism will be treated as soon as possible, possibly at birth, so that the human being cannot develop the thought of the existence of a soul and spirit. The task of eliminating the soul from mankind will be entrusted to materialistic physicians. Just as today people are vaccinated against this disease or that disease, so in the future children will be inoculated with a substance that can be produced in such a way that people will be immune to the madness of the spiritual life. Welcome to episode 250 of Living 4D with Paul Check. Today, we have a solo cast written by Paul in which he is joined by two special guest voices. Paul is the voice of Araman, Angie Czech is the voice of Christ, and I will be the voice of Lucifer. The words and content are all Paul's creation, just expressed through three separate voices. Lao Tzu said, if you want to awaken all of humanity, then awaken all of yourself. Paul has put a tremendous amount of research and work into this episode because he is fully aware of the severity of the world situation at this time. He also feels a personal responsibility for sharing as much of his knowledge with people as he possibly can to support them and hopes that upon comprehending what he shares here that you too will be inspired to be the change the world needs now. To create the best possible future for humanity and the earth, which we all depend upon for our very existence as human beings, we must understand the authentic nature of evil and why it exists and why it is so prevalent in the world today. In this podcast, Paul draws extensively upon the teachings of Rudolf Steiner and many other resources to help you understand the nature of the evolution of consciousness or spiritual evolution, the nature of evil and its actual functions in the world for our individual and collective evolution. Paul discusses the Christ Principle, showing why Steiner and others have emphasized the importance of the Christ Principle to keep the often destructive forces of Lucifer and Araman in balance, so that evolution is assured and free will is maintained among human beings. This episode contains many functional concepts and tools to facilitate conscious awakening and growth, balance the forces of Lucifer and Araman within you, and help you contribute to world peace and the world transition we are experiencing in positive, productive ways. If you enjoy today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review at the top of the show page on Spotify or at the bottom of the show page if you are listening on Apple Podcasts. Your opinions matter and your ratings help us to grow and help more people to be healthy, find freedom of body and mind, and to live their dreams. A big thank you to our sponsors by Optimizers, Paleo Valley, Organifi, and our new sponsors, Ned and Wild Pastures. Their support is essential in producing this podcast, and we hope you will show your support by visiting them online and trying all the amazing products they produce. We hope this podcast touches your soul, inspires you to apply what we share for your spiritual growth, and that you share it widely so that all of humanity can benefit from the wisdom shared here at this crucial time in human evolution. Preface Today we are all living in a cloud of unknowing. We are swimming in propaganda, surrounded by governments that have become the headquarters of some of the most dangerous corporations, secret military organizations, and dangerous public organizations the world has ever known. Sadly, these organizations are run by people, or possibly entities, whose moral compass 
has no north, the likes of which the COVID pandemic has made crystal clear for even the most dim-witted among us. The pain teacher has a way of getting messages across to those that don't pay attention when they should be. Fortunately, there are a few that have lived among us that have devoted their life to teaching us and informing us of the higher truths of life on earth. One of the great teachers and prophets that explain why the earth is a place of perpetual strife, Rudolf Steiner, was surely among the most spiritually developed, lucid, and prophetic among them. I will introduce him shortly for those that are unfamiliar with him. The escalating situation of chaos and confusion in the world naturally results in a massive increase in the number of people who reach out to me for help. The stream of requests for help allows me to see what people are deeply concerned about. What is very evident now is that the world situation we are in and the stress it is causing amongst the vaccinated and unvaccinated alike leads to breakdown of people's spirit, mind, emotional, and physical health. Though we are all familiar with some of the key people involved in the creation of the COVID pandemic and the abolishment of people's rights and freedoms worldwide, such as Bill Gates, Anthony Fauci, George Soros, Klaus Schwab, Yuval Noah Harari, the heads of Google, Mark Zuckerberg and Meta, the World Health Organization, and others, what people are not familiar with are the forces within the human psyche that result in acts of evil against the world, nature, and humanity. In fact, many only have a superficial understanding of what evil is and why it exists in the world. Among the many books I've studied in my career to better understand what evil is and why it exists in the world, the five-volume series titled The Raw Material, The Law of One, by Don Elkins, Carla Ruckert, and James Allen McCarty et al. provides some of the best explanations. The three authors of The Law of One worked as a team, but the organization under which they operated, LL Research, was founded by Don Elkins. To learn more, go to llresearch.org. Don Elkins held a BS and MS in Mechanical Engineering from the University of Louisville, as well as an MS in General Engineering from the Speed Scientific School. He was the founder and head of the University of Alaska's Mechanical Engineering Department from 1960 through 61, and was Professor of Physics and Engineering at the University of Louisville for 12 years from 1953 to 1965. In 1965, he left his position as a tenured professor and became a Boeing 727 pilot for a major airline to devote himself more fully to UFO and paranormal research. He eventually became captain and flew until his death in 1984. He also served with distinction in the U.S. Army as Master Sergeant during the Korean War. Though the Law of One book series was originally channeled by Carla Ruckert, it was Don Elkins that formulated the questions for RAW. Because of Don Elkins' background in engineering and physics, and his deep interest in UFOs, extraterrestrial intelligences, and the nature of the universe, he was best suited to formulate the many deep, important questions asked of RAW through Carla Ruckert, who served as the primary channeler for the group during the compilation of the Law of One book series. Though many of you, and probably many of you listening to this podcast, tend not to put any stock in channeled works, I will share that I am also very skeptical about channeled works. Among the things that struck me as I studied the Law of One series was the comprehensive nature of the answers. 
because many of the issues discussed in this series deal with areas that I have studied and practiced extensively, it was easy for me to see clearly that this material was of an extraordinarily high caliber. Should any of you study these books, you will notice that many of the things Ross shares relating to science and issues of the universe were not yet proven by scientific investigation at that time, but astonishingly, science has validated many things that Ross shared at this point in time. Additionally, David Wilcock, creator of the Wisdom Teaching series on Gaia, often refers to the raw material. He informed his viewers that there is an accepted system for rating the accuracy of channel materials and that the raw material rated at 98% accurate. Whenever I engage channeled materials of any kind, I always ask my own soul to inform me of the accuracy of the material so I don't waste my precious time studying poor quality materials. When I ask my soul how accurate the information in the Law of One book series was, my soul's response was, very accurate. Therefore, I devoted myself to an extensive study of these works and have been richly rewarded for doing so, or I would not share this information with you here. Those of Ra defined themselves as a social memory complex or planetary consciousness of a group of entities formerly residing upon Venus who have for a great portion of the history of this planet attempted to teach the law of one, of singularity and unity to those upon this planet who have sought this information. Within the raw material, there are a number of questions regarding the nature of evil, why people do evil things to each other, and the function of evil in the scheme of human evolution. There is also extensive commentary on the nature of the human soul, how souls evolve on Earth, in other locations in the cosmos, within other dimensions, and to what aim. In summary, what Ra shared in this regard is that there are always souls among humanity that select what Ra describes as the negative polarity, which is the polarity of consciousness associated with evil, as opposed to those souls oriented toward love. Ra informs us, as does Steiner and many other mystics and teachers of esotericism, hidden knowledge, that without evil, there would be no free will among human beings. Ra also informs us that evil serves as a catalyst for spiritual growth and development, without which the evolution of consciousness and the capacity to love would be greatly slowed among human beings. Ra also states that those of the negative polarity, just as those of the positive, love-oriented polarity, are in service to the one infinite creator. Through Ra, we learn that the souls who choose the negative path, service to self path, can only evolve to a certain point before they too must switch to the positive service to others path, for evil always leads to isolation from source, from God, which ultimately halts a soul's evolution. To explain what evil is and how it is that human beings have been so entangled in evil from the beginning of human life, we must come to understand the nature of Lucifer, the bringer of light and Eremon, the driving force behind the cold intellect that produces dangerous technological advancements that often enslave people under the disguise of making life easier and safer. Though most all human beings alive have heard of Jesus Christ, few are aware of the Christ principle and how the Christ principle serves as the only effective means of mediating the psychic forces of Lucifer and Eremon and the pantheon of evil spirits emerging from them. 
What I share regarding Lucifer, Aramon, Satan, and the evil spirits in this important podcast may be hard for many to comprehend or digest, but we must remember that fear never makes a good seeing eye dog. I feel that having a sense of the big picture of what human life on earth is all about from a spiritual perspective is very important today. Additionally, having both awareness of and the tools to navigate the unpredictable events of life helps us stay more centered. With awareness and tools for effective self-management, we can focus on making the best of any situation that arises in our lives. This is true of personal, social, or global challenges. It is to these exact aims that I created this special solo podcast on Lucifer, Christ, and Aramon and their intimate relationship to both the human soul and human evolution. In preparation for this podcast for you, in addition to my previous studies, I thoroughly studied eight books and numerous articles relevant to understanding the forces acting in and through the world today. Rudolf Steiner's writings are by far the most comprehensive and clear regarding humanity's past, present, and future. As I will soon share, Steiner's track record for prophetic statements that turned out to be accurate is unparalleled today. Steiner's warnings regarding the danger and misuse of technology, electricity, and electrical devices, the effects they have on children's minds, people, and nature are crystal clear and easy to see once you know what you're looking for and looking at. Steiner lectured extensively on the dangers of technology, and there's no better book out there with a comprehensive collection of Steiner's teachings and warnings about the dangers of technology and electronics in our future than Gary Lamb's recent book titled A Road to Sacred Creation, Rudolf Steiner's Perspectives on Technology, Volume 1. To be clear, Steiner wasn't encouraging us all to live like Amish people. He was very aware of the intimate relationship between technology and human evolution. What he did want to convey to humanity was the real dangers technology presented to humanity, particularly in the hands of those influenced by the negative expressions of Lucifer, Aramon, and the pantheon of evil spirits that exist in the world. As you will learn in this comprehensive podcast, Steiner put great emphasis on the necessity of Christ consciousness as a means of both orienting one's life toward love and mediating the powerful forces and influences of Lucifer and Aramon acting through the human soul. As a preface to what I will share with you in this podcast, I will share direct quotes from Gary Lamb's collection of Steiner's prophetic teachings on technology. In Chapter 8, Aramon's Pervasive Influence in the Age of Modern Technology, Introduction, we gain these insights. This chapter refers to three spiritual beings whom Steiner indicated are involved with earth and human evolution, Lucifer, Christ, and Aramon. The focus will be primarily on Aramon, the being who is strongly associated with electricity, modern technology, and the materialistic worldview that underlies the development and application of both. Rudolf Steiner makes an important contribution to the understanding of evil in this chapter. He reveals that there is not just one adversarial being and form of evil, but two that human beings need to contend with, Aramon and Lucifer. These are not beings that simply work together toward a common goal. Rather, they both have their own objectives and following in the spiritual world. Of the two beings, it is Aramon who is dominant in our current age, with Lucifer playing a supporting role. 
Christ is the spiritual being who is devoted to helping human beings meet the challenge of both forms of evil manifested by Aramon and Lucifer that threaten human and earth evolution. Both Lucifer and Aramon oppose the divine powers who care for earth evolution, foremost of which is the Christ. However, these two oppositional beings do so for very different reasons and in different ways. Lucifer is interested in enticing human beings into forsaking the divine powers and abandoning life on earth altogether. In doing so, he inspires people to become visionaries whose thoughts are disconnected from reality. In contrast, Aramon encourages cold intellectual thinking and seeks ways to bind people to the earth, in part by encouraging them to be endlessly busy with mundane matters. Aramon's purpose is to make the earth his own dominion. Aramon can be characterized as the lying spirit, the promulgator of falsehoods and half-truths, while Lucifer is known as the great tempter who appeals to and inflames a person's passions, desires, and egotism. It is important to understand that opposition between certain spiritual beings is a legitimate means for cosmic evolution to take place, but the accompanying strife and hostility should not extend into the physical world. Luciferic and Aramonic powers collaborate with one another, even though they have different goals for human evolution. Even so, one of them is more dominant than the other during a given period of time, with the other playing a supported role, albeit self-serving role. Since the Renaissance in the 1400s, Aramon has been the dominant adversarial spirit, he has been active in spreading materialism and fostering intellectual thinking for the advancement of modern industrial life. Just as Lucifer incarnated into a physical body in China in the 3rd millennium BC and Christ was incarnated in the Middle East, Aramon is preparing for his incarnation in the West in the early part of the 3rd millennium AD. His goal is to further his efforts to wrest control of earth evolution from the divine powers. It would be a great benefit to Aramon if he could incarnate completely unnoticed. It is imperative that human beings become ever more aware of the trends and influences in the outer life that Aramon is using to prepare for his incarnation. It is startling to consider how prevalent these trends and influences are now in the early part of the 21st century. It is with this preface and these wise words of Steiner by way of Gary Lamb that we begin our podcast today. I will not only share a lot about who Lucifer, Aramon, and the devil or Satan are, but I will share the importance of morals and the Christ principle as the only effective means for mediating these powerful influences in our lives. Key principles and practices that support us in effectively mediating and navigating the powerful forces of Lucifer, Aramon, and the evil spirits they employ to further their aims. Alternate views of Lucifer and his role in the creation of the universe and the world. Additionally, I will share how Lucifer baits humanity with the urge to power, fame, love, and money. Lucifer does this specifically so he can keep humanity trapped within the matrix. I will also share why, as Steiner suggested, humanity must get past duality consciousness to engage Trinitarian thinking. At several points throughout the podcast, I will give several examples of how we can all engage Trinitarian thinking now in our daily lives. Toward the end of the podcast, I will give several practical, specific examples to show the difference between Luciferic thinking 
harmonic thinking and alignment with the Christ principle so there is no confusion regarding the differences. Thank you for joining me today. As I've shared in many of my podcasts, now is the time to understand and use legitimate spiritual development practices for our individual healing, growth, and stability. As many of you are acutely aware, particularly if you listen to my podcast regularly, we are now in an all-hands-on-deck situation. Not only do we need each other, the Earth herself needs our help. This will become clearer as we realize the intentions of Aramon and what the global elite under his direct influence have done and will continue to do to the Earth if humanity remains too gullible and passive under his influences. Wherever I have cited directly from specific resources, including Steiner's lectures, I will mention it in the podcast. I will also have a list of resources in the show notes. Steiner's lectures are spread across many books and often repeated in books with different titles on different topics, but one of the easiest ways to find relevant teachings from Steiner is by searching keywords such as evil, phrases or titles such as a lecture name in the search function offered at the Rudolf Steiner Archive, which you can find at rsarchive.org. The history of the world is rife with battles resulting from warlords, kings, emperors, and their missions to dominate and control people for their own devices and profits. The Bible and scriptures of the world's great religions are chronicles of not only the battle between human beings, but the battles of gods, deities, and the spiritual forces of a universal nature. I have spent a fair bit of time studying scripture, the history of religions and belief systems, their original intentions for people, and how they became corrupt and led to vast amounts of death. When the COVID pandemic lockdown started, I knew we were in a modern reenactment of a plot common throughout antiquity. I also knew that most people had no idea what was really going on, and the price of such social ignorance has turned out to be injurious and deadly for millions. I invested a lot of time to study what was really going on behind the scenes of COVID, who was orchestrating the illusions and for what purpose, bearing witness to just how easily people were being polarised against each other at every level, from personal and family relationships to corporate interests, how science was being hijacked and distorted to create illusions as propaganda, how governments were blatantly failing to tell the truth and protect their people while the militaries were turning a blind eye to all-out terrorism via fifth-generation psychops warfare. I could see that collectively we were entering a phase of accelerated spiritual development. It was with these observations in mind that I decided to create this podcast to outline some of the most important aspects of how cosmic, spiritual, formative forces within the universe, on Earth, and within human beings functions to facilitate evolution on a cosmic, solar, earthly, and individual scale. This podcast will not only explain the forces of creation and destruction at work on a grand scale and within human beings, but will also share what I've learned about how we can use our awareness of these forces to learn, grow, support each other in bringing harmony between man and the earth as a living being, or Gaia, and create harmony within ourselves as a gift to all. Most of us have heard of Lucifer, and most or all of us have a good idea of who Satan or the devil is. This is largely because Christianity is the largest religion in the world, making its influence on not only the Western, but Eastern cultures unavoidable. 
Ahriman is not so commonly known by those unfamiliar with Zoroastrianism. Zoroastrianism is a monotheistic pre-Islamic religion of ancient Persia in the 6th century BC and is a dualistic religion in which Ahriman plays a similar role to Lucifer or Satan in Christian conception. Historians of religion cite the fact that Zoroastrianism, one of the world's oldest organized faiths, has influenced the Abrahamic religions of Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, each of which carries the theme of good versus evil and the ongoing battle between them. In the dualistic beliefs of early Zoroastrianism, good and evil fought for control of the world. Aura Mazda from the heavens and Ahriman from the underworld. The two forces were evenly matched and it each in turn gained supremacy. Ahura Mazda represented fire, sunlight and life. Ahriman was the lord of darkness and death. Zoroastrians later came to view Ahura Mazda as the supreme ruler who would one day achieve final victory over Ahriman. For those interested in learning more about this, go to mythencyclopedia.com and look up Ahriman. Any religion in which there is perceived to be a god that is of the light or good and an opposing god of the dark or relatively evil is inherently dualistic. Religions of dualism often present a good creator god and an evil destructive or destroyer god that battle for supremacy. Most such religions purport the belief that the good god ultimately always wins. Yet, as is documented in the scriptures of most religions, the triumph of good over evil does not come without ongoing battles. Additionally, it is the nature of the beliefs that inspire all such battles to extend themselves from the minds into the lives of human beings that necessitates morals and ethics. Historically, one of the important functions of religions was to offer a set of moral and ethical principles upon which society can be developed without rapidly degrading into a free-for-all of piracy, right by might, and chaos. To have moral and ethical principles necessitates the demarcation of what is good or acceptable on one hand, and what is unjust or unacceptable on the other hand, and what is fair or unfair. Being a matter of individual interpretation and judgment, there is always a middle ground in which people of any tribe, clan or larger group, such as those of a religious faith, seek to live, but there are always outliers. Among the outliers in the past are the emperors and kings themselves, and those who rejected their laws and had to live on the fringes of society to avoid persecution. Examples of outliers that occur with the imposition of any religion or belief system are the heretics, the shaman, warriors engaging in the hero's journey who believed they could overcome the ruler, tried, and sometimes did, those who oppose corruption, obsessive control, tyranny, and choose to live outside of society, usually in secluded places. And of course, there have always been the psychopaths on the fringe of any society or culture, But today, the most dangerous among them make their presence known within so-called philanthropic organizations that infect and control governments, most three-letter controlling agencies, CIA, FDA, CDC, WHO, FBI, etc., major news media networks, social media platforms, medical systems, large tech corporations, the scientific establishment, education systems from preschool to PhD programs, the corporate farming and processed food conglomerates, and sadly, many more. 
Today, particularly since the beginning of COVID, the lockdowns, heavy coercion to wear masks, going against all the natural health practices human beings have learned throughout the ages, and getting vaccinated are very good examples of what happens when the warrior kings, who are also psychopaths, join forces to impose their evil intentions upon humanity and the earth itself. To be fair, I'm confident that if you were to interview Bill Gates, Fauci, Soros, Klaus Schwab and the CEOs of vaccine and drug corporations and the many others now clearly implicated as the primary figureheads behind globalist movement, they would undoubtedly believe that what they are doing is good and that anyone opposing their agenda is bad and they may even perceive those outside their own belief system as evil and see them not as human beings, but as objects they can simply do with as they please, including exterminate. Even a little bit of honest research into these people quickly leads to ties within the eugenics community, which is but a modern extension of the Nazi movement. Any committed student of psychology is aware of the dark tendencies within us all. Most psychologists and skilled life coaches seek to help people acknowledge the darkness within themselves, witness it, and allow it into consciousness where it can be illuminated by conscious intention. As I will explain in this podcast, Lucifer and Araman are the most common sources of the dark forces within human beings that must be identified and healed, which requires the Christ principle or the use of other centering principles such as Tao or Buddha consciousness. As a necessary means of helping people grow spiritually and navigate the now unstable, dangerous world environment, this episode will share the concept of the Christ Principle. The Christ Principle is an essential component for evolving beyond duality consciousness of right-wrong, good-evil, light-dark. As shared previously, Steiner, speaking of the necessity of Lucifer and Araman and the challenges they present, felt that it was time for human beings to grow beyond duality consciousness into what he referred to as Trinitarian thinking. To get away from the duality presented by Lucifer and Araman, Steiner informs us that we must be aware of and utilize the Christ principle that lives within each of us. This podcast will expand on the Christ principle and show that it is not limited to Christian conception and can be found in other religions and philosophies, and why it is so very important to both understand and practice today. Steiner's teachings outline his forecast for future epochs of human development, making it clear that we are unlikely to purge the world of evil influences for a very long time to come because of their necessity as a spiritual growth stimulus and our capacity for free will. Therefore, as a preface to this presentation on the Trinitarian relationship between Lucifer, Christ, and Araman, here is one of my favorite quotes from Houston Smith, who in his lifetime was considered the world's greatest scholar of world religion. Houston Smith states, In so far as one leads a centered life, tensions disappear. It is my dream that, as a result of sharing the experience of a deeper understanding of Lucifer, Christ, and Araman, that we can each realize that by being aware of these cosmic consciousness-forming forces or intelligences, we realize the importance they offer for our personal and collective spiritual development. It is also my dream that we each realize that as much as we may want the world to be a better place and work to change it, the world is as it is, always has been, and to some degree always will be. 
This is because the Earth is a 3D schoolyard for souls that functions in time, the fourth dimension. If we try to make school better for children by letting them skip the third grade, for example, it would ultimately only make fourth grade more confusing and harder to complete. And so it is with each of us on our spiritual journey to self-realization as we work through the challenges of a metaphorical third grade here in Earth School. Fortunately, amidst the third grade schoolroom of the world, we are always blessed with wiser, more evolved teachers who come to help us learn and grow, the best of which do not only profess, but lead by example, just as Steiner did. What we can do to make the world a better place and to make our metaphorical third grade experience easier is to fully participate. To fully participate means to keep an open mind and an open heart and to see the forces that create consciousness and ultimately help us mature to higher expressions of love for ourselves, others and the world and consciously work with them. A simple method I use for this process whenever challenges arise is to always clarify within myself what my dream is for each relationship, be it with myself, loved ones, others in general, my life, nature or the world. I let that dream be the balance point from which I consciously choose what to say and do to the best of my ability. I still learn and grow every day. This orientation has helped me enjoy less stress in my life and deeper connection in my relationships. To help me practice Houston Smith's invitation to live from my center, I often take a non-toxic skin marker and create a circle on the back of my hand and place a dot in the center. This is the symbol for the self, which Mark Gaffney in his excellent book entitled Self in Integral Evolutionary Mysticism suggests holds all the infinite capacities for intimacy that God has invested within each of us. Whenever I feel myself getting polarized and allowing myself to be pulled out of my center, I look at the self symbol on my hand and consider how to manage the situation literally at hand. I get clear on what my dream is for the situation and I seek to understand the intentions, wants, feelings and needs of the other and find ways to stay connected at the heart so that everyone can feel heard and feel valued. This way we can each feel supported in living our mutual dreams. Sometimes this requires finding a healthy compromise that feels fair to all involved. Sounds easy and it's easy to say but the first step is having enough interest in yourself, others, and our personal and collective spiritual growth to simply draw the self-symbol on your hand each morning, a circle with a dot in the middle. From there, you know you have made the choice to exercise your capacity for free will. You can choose to let your habitual reflexive responses run the show and know that is the choice you made, or you can choose to work with the resistance you are experiencing and do your best to move into your center and invite others to join you there. Some of the concepts of Lucifer, Araman, and Satan or the devil that we will explore in this podcast can be challenging to confront consciously, which is one of the key defense mechanisms Araman uses to facilitate the achievement of his aims. By making people repulsed by anything that appears to be evil and avoiding ownership of any such traits within themselves, they project their own evil traits outwardly as judgments of and actions against others. Through this means of avoidance and projection, the satanic expressions of Lucifer and Araman and their evil subspirits are seldom extinguished within the psyche of man.
But these modes of consciousness live as potentials within all of us. If we deny or oppress them, then they are just pushed down into our unconscious and they become our puppet masters from there. Lucifer, Araman, and Satan love repression and denial because they are granted control over you from within your unconscious, where they meet no conscious resistance. The devil you know is always better than the devil you don't know. This is one of the key reasons Jung stated that until we meet our unconscious on the inside, it will meet us on the outside in the events of our lives and we will call it fate. Jung wasn't just speaking to the individual here, but any collective, from a family to a nation, a culture or the people of the world. To get the most from this podcast, my suggestion is that whenever I'm describing the qualities of Lucifer, Christ, Araman or the darker expressions of Lucifer, Araman or the devil, look honestly for them within yourself. Like Watiko, the mind virus, which Paul Levy has now written three excellent books about and talked about on a previous episode of Living 4D with Paul Check. Once you see it, it begins losing power over you. Lucifer and Araman are not only external beings acting upon us from out there, but are inherent within the soul of human beings as streams of consciousness that are ultimately our only means of having free will. Once you see how it is that Lucifer, Araman or the devil invites you to depart from your center and recognize them at work as you start losing your center, you can recognize then and there that you do have free will. Free will doesn't exist until you are conscious that you have the choice to think, feel and act differently and follow through on your conscious choice. For those who are acting unconsciously, acting out their programming, there is no more choice than there is for the person on stage acting like a jackass under the influence of a skilled hypnotist, or the drunk who abuses people they love only to become aware of what they have done when they finally sober up. Addressing the dangers of being unconscious of evil, Steiner, speaking of the spirits of darkness in a lecture given in Switzerland on October 28, 1917, warned us as follows. The spirits of darkness find it easiest to achieve their aims if people are asleep to what goes on in the spirit. They, the spirits of darkness, can then easily gain power over what they cannot achieve if people enter consciously into the spiritual impulses that are active in evolution. Now, I want to pause to explain this last sentence before going on with what Steiner is saying here, for it can be confusing for even the astute listener. What I feel he means when he says, They, the spirits of darkness, can then easily gain power over what they cannot achieve if people enter consciously into the spiritual impulses that are active in evolution, can be exemplified as follows. Stephen Hawking, as we all well know, was a very conscious scientist, cosmologist and mathematician. Yet when Hawking calculated the total sum of the universe, for example, calculating the balance of matter relative to antimatter as zero, He was indeed correct. But evidence of Araman's influence over Hawking's mind came through his cool intellectual statement that because the net balance of the universe is zero, there is no need for God. Had Hawking been capable of perceiving the influence of Christ's consciousness, unconditional love, within himself, the very same mathematical calculation would have been interpreted to imply that the total balance of the universe is zero, which suggests that God, or unconditional love, is the source of all that is. 
the result would have been admittance to the equal value of the subjective reality of existence instead of the cool intellectual support for the one-sided views of Ahriman's materialism. Lucifer's response would probably have been to say to Hawking, Now you know the truth, let go of your body and the world and come be an angel and be free like me. But instead, Ahriman's cool, cold intellectual adherence to number as objective, as fact, overlooks the equally factual subjective aspect of zero. One must go to the heart to access Christ consciousness to feel what zero truly implies, but Ahriman loves working through the head because most of his illusions can't be maintained if the heart is added to the recipe. Steiner continues, Much of the mendacity or deception which exists in the world today serves the purpose of rocking people to sleep so that they do not see reality and are deflected away from reality, and the spirits of darkness have it all their own way with the human race. All kinds of things are falsely presented to people to deflect them from truths they could experience if they were awake, and indeed ought to experience if human evolution is to proceed in a fruitful way. This is the age when human beings must take affairs into their own hands. In a lecture titled The Mysteries of Light, of Space and of Earth, given on December 15, 1919, 104 years ago and just a year after World War I ended, Steiner's comments regarding the influence of Ahriman could not be more pertinent today than they were then. Steiner states, In the last five or six years, more lives have been told among civilized humanity than in any other period of world history. In public life, the truth has scarcely been spoken at all. Hardly a word that has passed through the world was true. As you will learn in this podcast, Ahriman is the source of the urge within human beings to tell lies, a tendency which alignment with the Christ principle helps us overcome. Lao Tzu said, If you want to awaken all of humanity, then awaken all of yourself. The primary source for what I will share regarding Lucifer, Christ, Ahriman, Satan, or the devil is the teachings of Rudolf Steiner. I will share all the resources I've drawn from in the show notes, as well as any others I cite or use, so you can investigate what I cover for yourself, which I encourage each of you to do. Though I have spoken of Steiner on many of my podcasts, and some of you may be aware of who he was and be familiar with his teachings, for those of you that are not familiar with him, I will give this brief introduction to Rudolf Steiner, what his concerns were then, and why they are our concerns today. Rudolf Steiner, born 1861, died 1925, was born in the small village of Kraljevec in the Austro-Hungarian Empire, which is now Croatia where he grew up. As a young man, he lived in Weimar and Berlin, where he became a well-published scientific, literary, and philosophical scholar, known especially for his work with Goethe's scientific writings. At the beginning of the 20th century, he began to develop his early philosophical principles into an approach to systemic research into psychological and spiritual phenomena. Formally beginning his spiritual teaching career under the auspices of the Theosophical Society, Steiner came to use the term anthroposophy and spiritual science for his philosophy, spiritual research and findings. 
The influence of Steiner's multifaceted genius has led to innovative and holistic approaches in medicine, various therapies, philosophy, religious renewal, Waldorf education, education for special needs, threefold economics, biodynamic agriculture, Goethean science, architecture, and the arts of drama, speech, and eurythmy. In 1924, Rudolf Steiner founded the General Anthroposophical Society, which today has branches throughout the world. He died in Dornach, Switzerland. What makes Steiner unique among those with exquisite clairvoyance is the scientific rigor with which he conducts his investigations, his vast understanding of the spiritual dimensions, his ability to read the Akashic records, and his incredibly deep and vast scope of knowledge on all aspects of life. Steiner's wisdom included a profound understanding of the soul, human evolution, human psychology, anatomy and physiology, nature, color science, art, art therapy, child development and education, earth science, soil science, the great mysteries of human evolution, and much more. Steiner gave numerous prophetic statements about what we would experience now and beyond, including warnings about technology, vaccinations, medicine, wars, challenges with religion, science, government, and more. Steiner's prophetic predictions of what humanity would experience have been so accurate, it is astounding to those who study his work. As an example, Steiner in the early 1900s stated, Human beings will continue to make scientific advances with technology outside of themselves until they reach the realization that everything they have created outside of themselves is within themselves. The question is, will they destroy the planet before they figure it out? Additionally, of the countless prophetic statements Steiner offered his students regarding what was to come in the future and how to be prepared for it, more than a hundred years ago, he predicted exactly what we are experiencing today, which based on what he shared in many lectures is only the beginning of what is to come if we do not awaken to the influences of Lucifer and Araman. For example, in his lecture titled The Fall of the Dark Spirits, he stated that, In the future, the soul will be eliminated by drugs. Under the pretext of a healthy point of view, there will be a vaccine by which the human organism will be treated as soon as possible, possibly at birth, so that the human being cannot develop the thought of the existence of a soul and spirit. The task of eliminating the soul from mankind will be entrusted to materialistic physicians. Just as today people are vaccinated against this disease or that disease, so in the future children will be inoculated with a substance that can be produced in such a way that people will be immune to the madness of the spiritual life. It, such vaccinated people, would be extremely intelligent but not develop a consciousness, which is the real aim of some materialistic circles. With such a vaccine, you can easily break the etheric or life body loose in the spiritual body. With such a vaccine, you can easily detach the etheric body from the physical body. Once the etheric body is detached, the relationship between the universe and the etheric body would become extremely unstable, and man would become an automaton, for man's physical body must be polished on this earth by a spiritual will. Then the vaccine becomes a kind of aromatic force. Man can no longer get rid of a given materialistic feeling. 
He becomes a materialist by constitution and can no longer rise to the spiritual. With this preface and introduction, let us begin our exploration of Lucifer and Ahriman and how their influences can, without discernment guided by adherence to morality and the Christ principle, become satanic, evil forces that seek to destroy our lives and literally all life on earth. Hello. I'm confident that living through COVID made it crystal clear just how many people worldwide are very unhealthy, unfit, and are being deceived by the medical system and have no idea how to actually care for themselves, condition their bodies for even baseline health, and how hard it is today for anyone to find trainers, coaches, therapists, or doctors that understand, apply, and practice holistic health principles. As sad as this is, it means that there is a massive number of people out there that need honest, skilled help, healing, conditioning, and guidance from people that understand and live holism. To do my best to support humanity, I partnered with Gavin Jennings, the CEO of the Czech Institute, to create the Czech Academy, a mentored four-year multidisciplinary education program that gives you all the training you need to begin and enjoy your career as a holistic health professional. The Czech Academy includes my Holistic Lifestyle Coach Program Levels 1 through 3 and gives you all the assessment methods, nutrition, and lifestyle coaching skills you need to help most anyone radically improve their health and vitality. The Czech Academy also includes all my integrated movement science training, teaching you how to scientifically assess each individual's structure, movement patterns, optimize their body, and scientifically design corrective and high-performance exercise programs. Additionally, Not only will you learn the art and science of helping people change their behavior to support their stated dream, goals, and objectives, you will gain a comprehensive understanding of the psyche. You will learn why people are so often challenged to create what they want in their lives, suffer from anxiety, depression, emotional instability, and how to guide them into wholeness. I started the Czech Institute in 1995. And there are now Czech-trained professionals working at the top echelons of many fields, including professional sports, physical therapy, chiropractic, naturopathic medicine, the medical field, the food and farming industries, and much more. If you are ready for a career in the mastery of holistic health and the experience of the ultimate joy of helping others look and feel their best, then the Czech Academy is ideal for you. The Czech Academy is a great way for you and your clients to achieve your overall health and personal development goals, plus a fantastic way to build a career with both meaning and financial freedom. Not only that, we designed the program so that you'll have the skills to provide a great service and earn a living within the first year of training. The Czech Academy is now accepting new students and we're accepting applications through October 15th, but please don't wait to get your application in. Three partial scholarships are available. You can find the details to apply for a scholarship on the Academy homepage. To submit your application to the Czech Academy, go to chek.group forward slash L number 4D Academy. That's check.group forward slash L4D Academy. I would love to have you in the Academy and share everything that I've learned in my 40-year career with you, and it would be exciting for me to know that you're out there doing things that make you feel good about helping people and making the world a better place for everyone. Lucifer, Christ, Aramon, and the Subtle Energy Bodies of Man 
Before I define the specific qualities attributed to Lucifer, Christ, Eremon, and how evil and evil spirits emanate from Lucifer and Eremon and arise within the human soul, it is important to understand the subtle energy bodies of human beings. In many of Steiner's writings on Lucifer, Christ, and Eremon, he makes correlations between these beings and how they work through the subtle energy bodies of man. He also describes how the influences of Lucifer and Eremon influence the production of consciousness within man, which we will explore. Though there are many models of human subtle energy bodies and chakra systems, I will share a combination of definitions by Rudolf Steiner with specific commentary from other experts in this area. By understanding the relationship between Lucifer, Christ, and Eremon, and the subtle bodies of man that inform and animate our physical bodies, we will be more capable of understanding the specific definitions and qualities attributed to Lucifer, Christ, Eremon, and the evil spirits so often spoken of in religious, esoteric, and metaphysical literature. For those of you that are not familiar with the subtle energy bodies and chakras that are part of the total construct of the human being, or may be in denial of such realities, it is important to know that we have a vast accumulation of hard scientific evidence validating the existence of both subtle bodies and chakra systems. This scientific evidence, as is so often the case, only confirms what human beings have known for many thousands of years based on ancient evidence. Evidence such as rock art, cave paintings, archaeological findings, ancient scriptures, and even ancient creation myths which refer to water as the correlate of aether or ether, the first substance from which the subtle invisible energies of spirit become form. For those of you that would like comprehensive references on the subtle bodies and chakras of man, I recommend the following resources. The Subtle Body an Encyclopedia of Your Energetic Anatomy by Cindy Dale. This encyclopedia is heavily referenced with scientific studies, is well illustrated, and is prerequisite reading for Czech Academy students before entering Holistic Lifestyle Coaching Level 3 and Integrated Movement Science Level 5. Esoteric Anatomy, The Body as Consciousness by Bruce Berger. This book is one of my most treasured resources for a comprehensive explanation of the subtle energies and polarities of the human body. It is an excellent resource for understanding Eastern religion, their myths, spiritual realities, and how they all converge in the human being and human life. It is also a great resource for understanding the alchemical principles of the elements in the construction of the universe, earth, and man. With that, Let's begin our journey into the subtle bodies of man. The I. Steiner describes the I within each of us as follows. I, the immortal and inalienable core of a human being. Through reincarnation, the I travels from one life on earth to another and can also be identified as an entelechy, a word from which intelligence is derived. Entelechy comes from Greek and means containing its aim within itself. For instance, an acorn is also an entelechy because only an oak will grow out of it. The reference for Steiner's comments on the subtle bodies, which I share here, is Anthroposophy A to Z by Urt Hank Van, O O R T 
Hank, H-E-N-K, Van, Rudolf Steiner Press. The Astral Body. Dr. Fred Bell, in his excellent book, Rays of Truth, Crystals of Light, informs us that the name astral was originally used by medieval alchemists. It signifies starry and is supposed to have been applied to the plane just above the physical because of the luminous appearance which is associated with the more rapid rate of vibration. Within the subtle energy fields that compose our aura, positioned between the physical body and its etheric field, and the lower mental field above it, in frequency, is the astral field. Cindy Dale, in her book titled The Subtle Body, describes the astral field as a nexus between the physical and spiritual realms, free of time and space. Ray Hernandez et al., in Volume 1, A Greater Reality, The New Paradigm of Non-Local Consciousness, the Paranormal, and the Contact Modalities, informs us that the astral realms are a collection of all thought, all creative processes, all dimensional aspects which come from the existence of thought. This concentration of all thought forms is the collective mind of the human race. Astral experiences are often reported to be similar to those in the familiar etheric realm. This should be expected since the experiences occur in a context created by human mental activity. The astral body, sometimes referred to as the emotional body, is considered to be the seat of human emotions. In Steiner's conception of the astral body, it provides everyone with awareness and self-awareness, including all feelings and intentions. The astral body enables us to move. This aspect of the astral body can be compared with the strings of a puppet. The puppeteer can be compared with the eye that governs all the movements. Dr. Fred Bell, like the late William A. Tiller, informs us that the astral body, body or field, moves beyond the speed of light and directs the energy down to the etheric body through the planes. Etheric Body The etheric body is referred to by Rudolf Steiner as the life body and acts most strongly through the fluids of our body. The etheric body or field is not only the interface with the higher dimensional bodies or fields above it, but is created of electromagnetic and other energies resulting from the vast interconnections, signals, and communications and relationships of the cells that make up our physical body. Just as you can pull a sweater out of the dryer and feel the electrostatic field around it, sometimes it crackles and makes sounds and generates sparks of light, the etheric field, extending about a centimeter from the surface of our body, is alive within us and clings to us like the electrostatic field of a sweater clings to the sweater. Another way to conceive of the etheric field is to think of how when electrons move through a wire, an electromagnetic field surrounds the wire in response to the movement of electrons. As the elemental forces of earth, water, fire, and air interact with each other, the etheric field is created. Also contributing to the etheric field, we have the pneumatic, prana, and paramagnetic energies, biochemical, electrical, piezoelectric, biophoton, hydraulic, kinetic, and thermal infrared activities taking place within our cells and body as a whole. The combined effect of these energies and energetic transformations taking place in the etheric field happen in real time. 
it interfaces with the astral energy stepping down into it from above in frequency and arise from the physical body from which it serves as the life body. Upon the cessation of breathing and death, the etheric field that organizes the activities of the cells disappears. As I described below, the aramonic beings work through the fluids of our body and our etheric field to take hold of and influence us in ways that are self-destructive and destructive to the world at large. Lucifer works through the light of the astral body, which steps down into the etheric body, resulting in a confluence of luciferic and aramonic influences within susceptible human beings. Dr. Fred Bell, in his excellent book titled Rays of Truth, Crystals of Light, Information and Guidance for the Golden Age, page 384, informs us that The nuclear membrane of the cell is peppered with holes through which the etheric body of consciousness passes. The etheric body is energized via the astral plane and other planes of consciousness. It becomes necessary to bring the whole nervous system up to the vibratory level of the command signals that are coming from the astral, then the etheric levels into the brain centers or the nuclear membranes within the cell. Concentration of mind energy, our consciousness, fills these holes with etheric substance because energy follows thought on this level. It is via the interface between the etheric field and our physical cells that our lower mental field, our personal mind, conscious and unconscious, becomes an impression and an animating force in our astral field. Lucifer's influence, for better or worse, comes via our astral body, which, as explained by Dr. Bell, flows into the etheric field and functions of our body, which is where our life energy is generated and through which our physical body is sustained. The aramonic beings act through our etheric field and particularly the fluids and solid aspects of our body. Any illnesses that are linked to hardening or sclerosis are likely to be linked to the influences of aramon if we do not keep his influences in balance within ourselves. As you will learn in this podcast, Whenever Aramon's influences are unchecked by the Christ principle, expressed in moral action towards ourselves, others, and the world, we are susceptible to telling lies, manipulating others, and tend to adhere to the cold intellect that is divisive in dogmas of all sorts, often beginning with religious ideologies that were programmed into us in childhood by those who are unaware of Aramon's cunning influences. Such religious dogmas commonly create both eye-centric and ethnocentric orientation. They are commonly the basis of polarization and division within individuals, families, factions of one's chosen religion, and extend themselves to philosophical, scientific, and educational ridification and segregation of all types. Today, we see this extension of ridification and dogma as the polarities between the vaccinated and unvaccinated, the male and female, the heterosexual and multisexual, the left and the right, the religious versus the spiritual, etc. In an excellent paper titled Bohm's Theology of Evil and Its Relevance for Psychoanalysis by Sean J. McGrath, published in The Psychoanalysis of Evil, Edited by Roland C. Nasco and John Mills, Rutledge, 2016, page 49 through 68. McGrath extrapolates from the German philosopher and Christian mystic Jacob Bohm, illuminating how such division within one's soul leads to evil.
For Bohm, personality is a being which is only related to others insofar as it has achieved a difficult relation to itself through a moral negotiation of conflicting unconscious drives. One drive directs Eros within toward the self. The other drive directs Eros without toward the other. But the second drive presupposes the subordination and support of the first. Relatedness to the other is not simply a negation of narcissism. To speak in the language of Freud, love is the sublimation of narcissism. When it fails, evil divides the soul against itself and plunges it into ignorance, shame, and self-loathing. Lucifer's influences emanating from the astral level penetrate our etheric body and affect our physical body and our experiences of it via the astral influences on our mind and influence the health of our body via the etheric field. In his lectures on Lucifer and Eremon, Steiner informs us that these beings act on us through the elemental forces that create life and life force energy. Lucifer's influences come by way of the fire and air elements. In the Kabbalistic conception, Depicted in their tree of life, fire is the highest element, the first stage of creation. Fire is linked with desire. All fires are hungry and desire to consume. Consider the number of comorbidities associated with COVID deaths that are largely a product of excess consumption, and we can begin to see what happens with Lucifer's fire-borne desires unchecked within the soul of any individual. The air element in alchemy represents the frequency range with which mind exists and is the second stage of creation. Note that both the fire and air elements are expressions of yang energies in Taoist conception. Yang both consumes and spends energy and resources if unchecked by the complementary opposition from the feminine energies of yin, disturbing the natural balance essential to a healthy physical, emotional, and mental life. While fire and air are yang, they are in complementary opposition by yin via the water and earth elements, respectively. Steiner describes how Eremon's presence is fused into the earth itself and enters our soul construct via the elements of water and earth. In the Kabbalist tree of life, fire and air step down into water, giving us our capacity for feelings and emotions. The final stage of creation is the earth element, which represents the embodiment and solidity of form. As I explained later in the podcast, the Christ principle is the centering force or function that acts as a balancing influence whenever and wherever there is complementary opposition. A key to keep in mind as we explore Lucifer and Eremon is that these beings are not just external entities that come from outside you, like a burglar that breaks into your house. They are formative forces that represent forces within the cosmos, And just as the air of the atmosphere is outside you, yet you breathe it into yourself, the luciferic and aramonic beings are what I call waba beings. They are within, above, around, and below. Just as you can use your breath and the prana it contains to cultivate and share love, Steiner and other experts speaking of these beings inform us that we have free will to align with the Christ principle or... We can use Lucifer and Eremon's gifts in positive ways or fall into the trap of expressing their negative or evil influences. Much of the pain created by humanity utilizing these powerful forces of consciousness comes because of a lack of moral, spiritual maturity. 
Learning to manage free will turns out to be far more demanding than most people can conceive. Osho highlighted this fact when he stated that freedom is the most dangerous thing you will ever experience. Steiner discusses Aramonic and Luciferic influences in the etheric body and soul activities of thinking, feeling, and willing, informing us that it is particularly important in the present age for men to recognize this cooperation between Luciferic and Aramonic powers. For only by such recognition can he gradually learn to understand the forces that are at work behind the external phantasmagoria of existence. We know very well that we have no occasion either to hate Aramon or fear Lucifer since their powers are inimical only when they are working outside the realm where they belong. To this I must add that just as a wheel can only roll smoothly along when motion revolves around a center, an axle, whenever the forces of Lucifer and Aramon within the psyche of men lose their centering point expressed as the Christ principle, Tao, or Buddha nature, imbalance or chaos occurs. When the soul becomes distorted by such imbalance, acts deemed evil toward oneself, others, and the world are more likely. It is with the loss of one's moral center, a loss of heart-centered values, that health and wellness deteriorate into a plethora of body-mind imbalances, illnesses, and diseases. Because like attracts like and opposites attract, when degeneration becomes evil, it attracts more evil. The complementary opposite appears in the potential for empathy and compassion and acts based in love, exemplified as the Christ principle. Through this interplay of complementary opposites, what is truly evil serves to illuminate what is truly good, and that which is truly good can only be known because its complementary opposite as evil exists. Steiner continues describing how Aramonic and Luciferic forces contribute to the creation of different aspects of consciousness. The form of the physical body of man called into being by the interplay of Luciferic and Aramonic forces, now creating a balance, now disturbing it again, but in the whole etheric body too, Luciferic and Aramonic forces are continually active. When the Aramonic forces gain the upper hand, we have the expression of thinking. When the Luciferic forces are in ascendance, we have an expression of willing. And when they are in mutual conflict with one another, we have the expression of feeling. Thus do Luciferic and Aramonic forces play into one another in the etheric body of man. We human beings are, as it were, ourselves the result of these forces. We are placed into their midst. The capacity to have thoughts we owe to the fact that Aramen can acquire influence over our etheric body, and we have impulses of will because Luciferic forces can acquire influence over our etheric body. These forces are therefore necessary for man. They must be present. These changes cannot, however, simply come about of themselves. To begin with, a uniform and single action of the soul without these influences does not come to consciousness at all in ordinary life. We are quite incapable of bringing such a thing into consciousness. If we think of the etheric body in the likeness of a flowing stream, for it is in the etheric body that we have to make our observations, then we are obligated to say that this stream of soul activity does not come to consciousness at all in our life. But into this stream, into this perpetual movement of the etheric body that flows in the current of time, Luciferic 
and again, aromonic activity enters. Steiner just made a very important point that should not be overlooked. Steiner states, and when they, the forces of Lucifer and Aramon, are in mutual conflict with one another, we have the expression of feeling. It is here that we are given the tension of the opposites that the human mind cannot resolve without the use of the feeling function of consciousness. The feeling function of consciousness relates directly to our conscious or unconscious values. When our values are aligned with Christ, Buddha, Tao, Bhakti, devotional yoga, or other heart-centered modalities of consciousness, the heart serves to deliver justice to one's head. Most anyone listening to this podcast is sure to be wise enough to know what kinds of psychopathology the human mind can get up to when not centered in the heart. Steiner informs us that luciferic activity has the result of making the will young. When the activity of our soul is streamed through by luciferic activity, the result is will. When the luciferic influence predominates, when Lucifer makes his forces felt in the soul, then will is active within us. Lucifer has a juvenating influence on the whole stream of our soul activity. When, on the other hand, Aramon brings his influence to bear on our soul activity, he hardens it. It becomes old, and thinking is the result. Thinking, the having and holding of thoughts, is quite impossible in ordinary life unless Aramon exerts his influence within our etheric body. To avoid confusion, the luciferic forces of will and the aramonic forces of hardening and thinking are in a constant interchange. To visualize how this may look, imagine a time-lapse video of a lake taken across the span of four seasons. If the video was sped up sufficiently, you would see the water stop moving and hardening as it froze. Then, with warming and thawing, you'd see the water moving under the influences of forces such as heat, wind, birds, animals, and boats. And then you'd see it cooling, slowing, and hardening as it froze again. In this manner, but within much smaller timescales, the forces of Lucifer's willing actions and Aramon's hardening actions produce the flowing of spirit through our brain, nervous system, and body. What is repeated is captured by the aramonic forces becoming neural networks that have the greatest influence on our thinking, our perception of ourselves, others, and our worldview. Ultimately, aramon's hardening force, guided by such mental influences, produces the posture of our body. We can literally see the way aramon's hardening and shaping forces influence the brains of human beings through neuroscience. It is known, for example, that the shape of a psychotic's, alcoholic's, or drug addict's brain shows structural differences when compared to the brains of those people whom are mentally or emotionally stable. In the Biology of Transcendence, a blueprint of the human spirit, Joseph Chilton Pierce shows clearly that when an infant gestates and is shaped in a stressful environment, its forebrain is smaller reducing its capacity for novel creativity and problem-solving while the hindbrain is enlarged. Pierce shows clearly that the infant and child reared in traumatic, chaotic environments develops a brain that is wired for chaos, and he describes the brain of such a child as a street fighter. It is evident that the lack of love, the Christ principle, even in the midst of the most dogmatic of religious households, can quickly lead to Christian soldiers marching off to war 
with the cross of Jesus going on before, or Krishna inspiring Arjuna to battle, regardless if it means killing family members on the other side. These are the hallmarks of the archetypal myths that inspire the life of the divine drama. Myths find life in the pains and responsibilities of love that endure time. Fortunately, living myths always produce wise men and wise women that find the center of the dynamic sphere of self. It is these people that show us how to grow spiritually and not to lose ourselves in the persona we don for the great play. Steiner continues, If Lucifer were to withdraw entirely from our etheric body, we would have nothing to fire our will. If Eremon were to withdraw entirely from our etheric body, we should never be able to attain cool thinking. We would also lose the essential hardening forces that form our bones, teeth, and give form to our physical body, without which we would be a being that is largely composed of the mental and astral levels of creation and could not engage life on earth for its many opportunities for spiritual growth and development. As previously shared, when Lucifer and Eremon are bound by the tension of their opposition, their activities play into one another. The result is the feeling function of consciousness. In Steiner's teachings, he describes the successive creation of man via the combined efforts of a hierarchy of angelic beings, suggesting that human beings were created by angels investing themselves within human form. I would like to add some perspective to Steiner's assertion that human beings were created by angels investing themselves within human form. It is a strong human tendency to anthropomorphize the sublime, the transcendent, the heavenly, or said another way, human perceptions of spirit. As discussed by Rupert Sheldrake and Matthew Fox in their excellent book, The Physics of Angels, angels are spiritual intelligences or streams of God consciousness. In mystical visions or exalted states, just as one can see the buzz of spirit in what appears otherwise to be solid matter, or perceive archaic scenes of primitive man in the mosaic of a stone face, a ballet dancer within a Rorschach test, or find thoughts mirrored in images nested within a Jackson Pollock painting, what would otherwise be streams of divine intelligence acting within the human psyche, become angelic beings with human-like features. Angels, then, emanations of God consciousness as creative spiritual intelligences, weave themselves as spirits into human form, also making visible all God's dreams of form, life, or nature, including that of human beings. Steiner describes the solar bodies or regions where specific phases of human evolution occurred throughout time, and what was incorporated into the human energetic and physical form at each successive stage. Though anyone not familiar with Steiner's teachings may not know of these epochs, if you use the Steiner Archive website and search epochs, you will find Steiner's comprehensive descriptions of the evolution of man and an explanation of the hierarchy of angelic beings responsible for the different aspects of man's creation. Further defining the qualities of Lucifer and Araman. The topic of Lucifer, Christ, Araman, and the different sources and manifestations of evil is a vast study. I have done my best to share the most essential points in this podcast such that anyone listening can understand the key points I feel we should all be aware of. 
This is particularly relevant in light of the events of the world that have occurred since the beginning of the COVID pandemic. Sadly, the manifestation of evil continues to grow in intensity as we go through this world transition. For our purposes today, I will continue to highlight the distinguishing features of Lucifer, Christ, and Ahriman. I will also point out the ways that human beings consciously or unconsciously use the powers and influence of Lucifer or Ahriman in ways that foster the creation of satanic acts of evil. Having studied these issues quite a lot in my life, I can assure you that there is a wide range of opinions regarding evil. Some see evil as an external force that imposes itself upon us versus evil being the product of distortion of the human soul that would otherwise not be evil. In actuality, there are grounds for both expressions of evil, as we will explore. In the excellent book titled Anthroposophy A to Z, A Glossary of Terms Relating to Rudolf Steiner's Spiritual Philosophy by Henk van Oort, Steiner offers definitions of Lucifer, Christ, Ahriman, and the Asura, or evil spirits. To begin with, I will define Ahriman, Lucifer, and the Christ principle, and then later in the podcast, I will give a comprehensive description of the Asuras, or evil spirits, and how they function within nature and the nature of human beings. These definitions and commentary will allow us greater sense of the polarity that exists between Lucifer and Ahriman. Once the polarities of Lucifer and Ahriman are elucidated, I will do as Steiner suggests and evolve past duality consciousness to include what Steiner refers to as the needed Trinitarian thinking and introduce the Christ principle. Lucifer, from Latin, light bearer, an angelic being involved in creation from the very beginning. Lucifer still exerts a strong influence on humankind. Because man was intended to be a being with an independent I or self, the Holy Trinity allowed this counterforce in creation. Steiner informs us that if the adversarial power of Lucifer had not existed, mankind would never have been able to distinguish between good and evil. What this means, for the sake of clarity, is that Lucifer's independence from God is reflected in the eye of each human being, without which we could not distinguish self from not-self. It is because we have an independent eye, or sense of self, that we can be conscious of the difference between good and evil. At the present stage of the Earth's evolution, Lucifer tries to dissolve all physical things, he tries to prematurely establish a spiritual realm of his own elsewhere, elucidating his perceived independence from God. Though it is ultimately Lucifer's desire to be God, some theologians and mystics describe Lucifer's wrath, anger, frustration and self-loathing to result from his innate awareness that he himself is created by God, and any domain he could ever create cannot exist outside the abyss of God, for there is and can be nothing beyond God. Today we can see this Luciferian quality exhibited in the ego drive of globalists who seek to create a kingdom on earth of their very own, of their own total control. To them, there is no God, no soul, and their hubris extends to a blatant disregard for nature. It is within this Luciferian drive and the blindness it creates that Ahriman's materialistic, machine-like drive for consumption ignores the reality of the biological necessity of man's existence within nature, 
just as Lucifer's egoity deceives him into believing he can exist independent of God. To souls so possessed, the illusion of transhumanism leads to a robotic disregard for the delicate balance of nature that allows their own existence. It is just this mindset that results in the illusion that human beings, or some derivation thereof, can be fed through 3D digital printing, and that health can be created and maintained via the use of chemical nutrition come by the way of nanotechnology within one's body. We can experience the influence of Lucifer whenever we find our attention is drawn away too much from earthly matters. If we are too absorbed in the arts or too involved in religion, fanaticism, or end up daydreaming our life away. However, Steiner, as shared previously, points out that Luciferic and Aramanic forces should not be regarded as solely negative. These forces provide great gifts and are necessary in human development but they must be kept in balance. The interpretations and beliefs regarding Lucifer, what Lucifer represents from both a theological and psychological perspective, vary greatly among theologians, mythologists, symbologists, psychologists, and the founders and leaders of both cults and mystery schools. Throughout the podcast, we'll be sharing different perspectives so that each of you can meditate on them and decide what rings true for you. As an example of the differences in viewpoints on Lucifer, we gain a perspective somewhat juxtaposed to that of Steiner in the paper titled Bohm's Theology of Evil and Its Relevance for Psychoanalysis by Sean J. McGrath, published in The Psychoanalysis of Evil, edited by Ronald C. Nasso and John Mills. McGrath cites Bohm's work stating, Bohm's Lucifer is the first psychotic. Satan in Bohm is a failed personality, a soul that has lost touch with reality. That he brings the doom upon himself does not alter the fact that this is the appearance of the first psychosis. Hereafter, creatures will involuntarily suffer the pathology of soul that Lucifer brings upon himself. They, the Luciferians, had in mind to establish all over the earth a system of wisdom from which Christ and Yahweh too were excluded. Therefore, something whereby Christ and Yahweh were eliminated would have to be inserted. The opposite force to Lucifer is Ahriman, who wishes to shackle us to all things physical as the sole reality. In Steiner's explanation, Christ holds a balancing position between Lucifer and Ahriman. Steiner's description of Ahriman is as follows. Ahriman, a divine being whose name originates in the ancient Persian cultural period and the opponent of the Ahura Mazda, the Persian sun god. According to Rudolf Steiner, the influence of Ahriman is very much still present. Ahriman is the chief cause of all processes that harden and materialize what were initially spiritual realities underlying all creation. These hardening processes are essential to life on earth. For example, originating from a spiritual archetype, the human skeleton develops from a liquid substance through a stage of cartilage into a rigid skeleton, which enables us to stand upright and resist gravity. This process took place during the Earth's evolutionary stages, which are recapitulated in the embryonic stages of the human and animal fetus. Araman tries to harden all substances, even in places where these substances should remain supple or fluid. 
frozen concepts and fossilized traditions, but also hardening blood vessels and any form of sclerosis are the results of Ahriman's dominating influence in the wrong places. Ahriman is essential to all life on earth, but must continually be kept in his rightful place, for otherwise he causes great harm. The essential balance between Ahriman on one hand and Lucifer on the other, again, is held by Christ. Hi everybody, I am so excited to tell you about Wild Pastures' amazing meat delivery service. They have beef, chicken, pork, and wild-caught fish. My family and I have been enjoying their meat for quite some time now, and I just couldn't wait to tell you about it any longer. We had an amazing barbecue this weekend, and I'm still high off the meat. And they use a whole network of regenerative farms, which means that you're getting a different ecosystem from each farm, which means a different nutritional profile, which means nutritional diversity, which means health and vitality, which is exactly what we need right now in the world for ourselves and our families so we can all make a difference in the world. And Matt Smith's going to tell us more about this amazing company, Wild Pastures, about their offering and how you can get it. Thank you, Matt. Thanks so much, Paul. And I'm excited to tell your listeners what they can get today and how we can help them out. So, you know, as you know, pastured meats are crazy expensive. And so our goal with Wild Pastures is to tap into this network of regenerative farmers and to finally create the solution of where we can get the highest quality meats delivered straight to your door for the most affordable prices around. And so we're on average seeing that we are 40% cheaper than any other delivery option out there. And that our customers have reportedly saved, on average, $1,000 on their grocery bill from meat alone. And so Wild Pastures is a regenerative meat delivery service that is solving this problem. And you can get 100% grass-fed and finished, as well as pasture-raised pork and poultry and wild-caught seafood from Alaska delivered straight to your door. So it's far more convenient. It's far more environmentally friendly because we're using regenerative farms entirely. We don't use feedlots ever. So the, the nutrition profiles are way better. You can definitely taste the difference. I know we were talking about this on our uh, just before we hopped on. You having a Father's Day barbecue and, and how incredible the pasture-raised chicken and beef short ribs were. And you can really taste the difference, right? I'm and still so, high. <laughs> and so our goal is to remove the roadblock from people's minds that if they want to eat healthy, it's too expensive. And so that's where Wild Pastures comes in is we are delivering with our own fleets of trucks whenever possible. We haven't raised our meat prices in over three years at this point. And we're really just creating convenience for the consumer and kind of being the high tide that rises all ships. If we can opt more people into a system like this, the cost stays down for everybody. And so there is a myriad of benefits that go into that. And so today, if your listeners want to try Wild Pastures and taste the difference and experience what it's like, go to wildpastures.com forward slash Paul check or click the link in the show notes and save 20% off for life, plus get free shipping for life. Plus, get $15 off your first box. That's a mind-blowing deal. I can't even <laughs> imagine. I mean, I've never heard of an offer like that. And, you know, most people will hear an offer like that and think, this can't be that good. But I'm telling you, it's not, it's not only that good, it's really good. Or I would not be sharing this on my podcast. I think everybody needs to get a hold of Wild Pastures for their family, for their vitality, for their longevity, and for the future of this planet. So thank you guys very much. So Matt, Matt, just repeat the website again. Sure. Just go to wildpastures.com forward slash Paul check or visit the link in the show notes and get 20% off for life plus free shipping for life plus $15 off your first box so you can try it. You'll be glad you did.
Christ, the highest divine being, in Anthroposophy A through Z. A glossary of terms relating to Rudolf Steiner's spiritual philosophy, Steiner describes Christ as follows. When the 30-year-old Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist, Christ incarnated into the body of Jesus. In the Bible we read, And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting up upon him. Matthew 3, 16-17 For three years Christ lived in this body until his death on the cross. In many ancient mythologies, Christ was seen as a divine being living in the sun who was to incarnate in a human body at some time in the future. By his incarnation, Christ provided the earth with new life. Since his descent into hell and resurrection, Christ has lived in the ether body of the earth and can be experienced by those who have developed the necessary supersensible perception. Steiner informs us that Christ is the origin, the purpose, and the goal of our planet earth. But as we have seen, Christ, through man, must mediate the forces and influences of Lucifer and Eremon, or the purpose of Christ cannot be achieved. Though Steiner was a Christian and a member of the Rosicrucian Brotherhood, it is evident from his teachings that he was acutely aware of how Lucifer and Eremon had penetrated Christianity and the religions of the world. Surely this is why his mission was to teach a legitimate spiritual science through which any such negative influences could be rectified within the soul of man and the truth of Christ and his mission known. Steiner's conception of Christ is that Christ is a divine being. Just to be clear, though, Lucifer and Eremon are also divine beings. By referring to Christ as a divine being, Steiner informs us that Christ exists. How Christ as a being appears to each person is unique, even among people of the same religion. We need only search for artists' renderings of Lucifer, Eremon, and Christ. When you consider that neither these beings can meet in person like we'd meet a friend, you soon find that each artist's channeled or intuited perception is somewhat unique. Regarding Jesus Christ, one only needs to note the myriad paintings of him as a blonde, white man, when in fact Jesus, the man they are painting, was a Middle Eastern man and would not have looked anything like he is so often portrayed. Keep in mind that Lucifer is the master of illusion. I have also, on rare occasions, in Christian churches in Africa and Ethiopia, and other rare instances, seen much more realistic paintings of Jesus as a black or Middle Eastern man. We can also find paintings and statues of the Black Madonna in remote locations. It is important to face the fact that a universal being of intelligence such as Lucifer, Christ, or Eremon can only be perceived through our own programming and imagination. This is the case with anything that is archetypal. All mothers express the mother archetype, and yet no two of them are the same. When Jesus says, split a piece of wood, I am there. Lift a stone, and you will find me there. He is implying that he, his being, is everywhere. How, I ask, do you paint a being that is everywhere without imposing your own limitations on it? And doing so, any such rendering is at once inaccurate and paradoxically cannot be done with Eremon's capacity to create form and limitation. Because these beings are inherent within the nature of the human soul, without which we would be incapable of free will, what is most important is to understand the archetypal principles or qualities that each represent. Once we understand their inherent qualities, we can become conscious of their presence within our own soul, our own consciousness. As will be shared later in the podcast, though both Lucifer and Eremon are commonly conceived of and used interchangeably to represent Satan and or the devil, 
Most of what we experience as evil or acts of the devil come by way of our own distortions of these streams of consciousness within our soul. Christ instructed us to love thy enemy as thyself. And yet, how often do we do it versus retaliating with some form of violence? Few stop to think about the fact that in order to follow Christ's instruction to love thy enemy as thyself hinges upon the quality of one's love for themselves. One need only engage a superficial study of the world's greatest religions to come face to face with the perpetual denial of and obliteration of the self. The self is defiled. The body is dirty. You are a fallen sinner. Service to others before oneself. And in the Eastern religions, there's often a downright denial of the self-concept altogether. Any such destruction of the self is an act of evil, for each self is itself the product of God and is the agency through which individuality embraces unity. Each individual is a spoke and a wheel, yet all are unified at both the hub and rim, without which there is no whole, and only the unity of the spokes produces a wheel that can roll in life. To get a crystal clear view of the dangers of abolishing the self, as is the case with like Marxism, socialism, communism, and cults the world over, everyone should not watch but study Mickey Willis's recently released document titled Plandemic, The Great Awakening. This documentary clearly shows the absolute necessity of retaining our self-agency, autonomy, and the extreme dangers of the globalist communist movement modeled directly from the communist agenda of China. It is definitely time for a great awakening, for all these movements abolish any concept of self, soul, God, or any higher power that strengthens the individual, leading to resistance of their ability to literally turn human beings into animals in their corporate farms or plants in their plantation. No parent, for example, that does not love themselves can ever love their own children any more than they love themselves. The pain and dysfunction created by programming a child's mind with any such concept of self-denial, as Jung highlights repeatedly in his collective works, blocks individuation to self-reliance, self-agency, and adulthood. The result is nothing short of a socialistic, communistic agenda, an ism or cult formation that results in the worship largely of father figures. Whenever the self is injured or fragmented through such child abuse, you end up with a recapitulation of Lucifer's perceived rejection by God, and the natural instinct to love oneself becomes inverted, becoming self-loathing, self-hatred, and fragments the soul. This is a very sad condition that I have seen countless times in my work as a therapist. What we should all be acutely aware of is the fact that when the love, inspiration, and inner guidance of the soul is fragmented and inverted— the archetypal urge of the soul to fulfill its mission on earth, to share its unique gifts, and its love is seen as sinful or threatening, for to do so usually requires departure from the herd. This, to such a child or individual, becomes equal to rejection from one's family, extrication, excommunication, which is extremely scary and painful for anyone whose psyche is still orientated towards the child archetype. The sad result is that those aspects of the soul that inspire individuation and departure on the hero's journey are repressed and denied. What few realize is that when the libido of the soul is repressed and forced into the darkness of the unconscious, each such soul fragment has the power to become a demon that first attacks the self and then attacks others as needed to alleviate its pain. I have seen this process produce such complications as multiple personality disorder, 
serious cases of possession, addiction, self-harming, depression, and suicide. It is high time that we all awaken to the fact that any collective is made of individuals. No collective can be any healthier in the body, mind, or spirit than the individuals that create the collective. To see this for yourself, one need look no further than any family in which children are raised by one or both parents that are victims of cult indoctrination, were traumatized in their own childhood, suffer addictions, and or psychologically unstable. This is exactly why Jung said that all children are tasked with the unfinished business of their parents' lives. Whenever religions, corporations, isms, cults, or governments fulfill the role of parent, as we see undeniably in the world now, and was glaringly evident through COVID, Jung's dictum applies to these parent figures as well, making it the task of each individual to heal the evil within any such parent organization, and that cannot happen without the love and agency of the self. To get the help of Christ, any such person must have the discernment to differentiate between the Jesus that is the Christ that loves, heals, and saves, and the Jesus that stands on the pulpit telling everyone that God wants you to get vaccinated or else. For that Jesus is but Satan in disguise and mistaking Christ for that Jesus, as so many have found, a death sentence. Though Steiner's description of Christ is helpful and explains the energetic, spiritual function of Christ's death and resurrection, like so much written about Christ, there is little explanation of the concept of the Christ idea or principle, which is itself what the story of Jesus' life points to. Without an understanding of the Christ principle, all one can do is read the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, and read what others write about Jesus. And regardless of how beautiful or true such writings may be, they are the product of Christianity, which for many reasons is unlikely to be read or comprehended by the majority of the world population that adhere to non-Christian faiths and belief systems. Christianity has about 1.2 billion followers, but the world population is now about 8 billion. So regardless of how true the story of Jesus may be, the lack of global acceptance results in a high probability that the majority unwittingly practicing dualistic religious or non-religious ideologies may be unaware of how to balance the forces and influences of Lucifer and Ehrman within their own souls. Another significant challenge among Christians is the inability to differentiate Jesus of Nazareth, a man, from the Christ idea or principle. If the difference was comprehended, Christians the world over would not only celebrate all the world religions as expressions of God, but would recognize the Christ principle as an ideal to encourage and support all humanity to consciously mediate and grow through effective engagement of the Luciferic and Aramonic influences. Charles Fillmore in his Metaphysical Bible Dictionary gives us some clarity regarding the Christ idea. This Christ, or perfect man idea existing eternally in divine mind, is the true, spiritual, higher self of every individual. Each of us has within him the Christ, just as Jesus had, and we must look within to recognize and realize our sonship, our divine origin and birth, even as he did. By continuously unifying ourselves with the highest of our thoughts and words, we too shall become sons of God, manifest. The cosmic man, or grand man of the universe, often referred to by religious mystics in the Christ, and the Christ is the higher self of man. 
Careful attention to Filmer's words in light of the fact that Christianity not being a universal faith is important. When Filmer states, this Christ or perfect man idea existing eternally in divine mind is the true spiritual higher self of every individual, we must realize that what is universal cannot be segregated nor disseminated by any one belief system. For example, life force energy is ultimately the product of the universe and experienced globally as the spirit that animates all biological life, including that of human beings. To imply to those of other nations and faiths that life force was actually the Christ force would naturally result in resistance. In China, life force is qi. In India, it is prana. In Japan, it is ki, wakan among the Native American Sioux, mana among the Polynesians, etc. Dustin DiPerna, author of the excellent book, Streams of Wisdom, which is a comprehensive investigation of the different structure stages of consciousness and the evolution of consciousness, states clearly, no Christian has ever met the Buddha in enlightenment experience. Yet people from all lands and all faith have had legitimate enlightenment experiences. Filmer also states that by realizing the mind of Christ, he becomes one with the absolute. What is important to realize in the context of any dualized conception of God, such as God versus evil or Jesus' struggles with the devil, is that by realizing the mind of Christ and becoming one with the absolute, we transcend duality. And in an absolute or non-dual state of consciousness, we are beyond any conception of mind, and therefore, there is no Lucifer, Aramon, not even Jesus or the devil, just unconditional love or pure potential. But because that which is absolute or unconditional can have no expression in space, time, nor form, all of which are conditions, in order for God to know and experience itself— God had to create conditions, without which there is no possible means of self-reflection, and therefore self-reflection within God. We will explore an alternative myth of Lucifer later in the podcast that is important to consider. Lucifer, the bringer of light, gives us an expression of God or agents of God's experience, the choice to or not to love. Aramon charged with the task of solidification, takes Lucifer's light and crystallizes or congeals it so that the soul can see, feel, and experience itself. This is important because all souls are ultimately expressions of God's unconditional love and, like God, can't know or experience themselves in life without conditions such as space, time, movement, matter, form, and choice. The polarities established between all positive and negative potentials are essential for the creation of consciousness, which Jungian analyst and psychiatrist Edward Edinger defined as a psychic substance created not blindly, but in living awareness of opposites. It is then the ultimate beauty or the good and the ultimate antagonist evil through which we gain the power of conscious choice. Without Lucifer and Aramon working hand-in-hand with the Christ idea or neutral polarity, we could not choose to grow spiritually towards self-realization. As we experience the pain of polarization, we, as souls, ultimately crave more of what we ultimately are, 
unconditional love, and it is the Christ principle that serves to facilitate that experience and assures that all souls, even the most evil, as expressions of and agents of God's own experience are always loved. This does not mean that Lucifer or Eremon take a vacation because we've reached an enlightened relationship with God, for we are each but one of potentially infinite expressions of God and but one of some 8 billion human souls, most of whom need the polarities of Lucifer and Eremon to dualize God consciousness so that love and meaning are generated. Without Lucifer and Eremon, each person would be like Adam and Eve before eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They didn't even know they were naked, and they still wouldn't. Though it is easy to perceive that Lucifer and Eremon are against you, or even against life, they are ultimately angelic forces of consciousness and essential to God's ability to experience and know itself. But because God always knows the truth, which is unconditional love, it is Christ's consciousness that guides us home through the matrix of self-reflection and self-realization. After arriving home, we must ourselves have become unconditional, free of illusion, free of lies and hardness, or we remain trapped in the matrix, the maya of mind and the duality that necessitates it. Evil and deception, paradoxically then, uphold the ultimate good, beauty, and truth of God. Not an easy pill to swallow for many, but it is because of Lucifer, God's beloved angel, that you have the choice to love or not to love and Eremon's ability to transform spirit into matter, that we have place, home, and bodies. The degree of childishness among adults today is easily exemplified by the fact that so many in Western religions unwittingly separate God and Lucifer or the devil. This creates a paradox in which there is a God of good and a God of evil, which at once negates the bigger question, who created these two? What this ultimately means is that any such God worship equates to idea worship, and therefore, this isn't a true relationship with God, but a worship of the good God that saves you from whatever is deemed evil, even when it is that they that they are doing the evil and righteous acts of so-called good, which is exactly the nature of the witch hunts and crusades of the dark and middle ages, which still go on to this day, sadly. This is exactly why I say, if you want to meet the devil, just pick a fight with Jesus. There are now some 45,000 branches of Christianity, each claiming to have the authentic teachings of God and Jesus. So which Jesus is the real Jesus? Which Christ is the real Christ? Challenge any one of these factions regarding their beliefs about Jesus, and in short, you will meet the devil in much the same way you'll meet the devil if you walk into a vegetarian health food store and ask where the bacon is kept. Again, we see the danger of any ism, any of which give people permission to stop thinking for themselves. Though I will give examples of how to go from the duality thinking inspired by Lucifer and Eremon to Trinitarian thinking that includes the Christ principle, I will prime you with this example. On one hand, we have Lucifer wanting to pull us out of the earth into his kingdom of his own making, to forsake God as the divine for his own means and ends, willing to spin illusions. Lucifer is happy to fill the minds of people with more consciousness than they are mature enough to handle. On the other hand, we have Eremon seeking to trick us into becoming robotic slaves to his electronics and machinery. 
Ehrman's influences lead people to avoid including our heart in decision-making. Under Ehrman's influence, we remain cold in our intellect, like a military sniper aiming to kill without knowing if he is delivering justice or doing the dirty work of secret organizations. Between Lucifer and Ehrman, we always have Christ holding the middle position, the heart, between these polarized beings. With that in mind, we can take a very common situation, particularly among those young adults that should be forming their ego and preparing to participate as adults in the world. A man or woman in their 20s who may be in the university or holding a job wakes up in the morning feeling tired from the usual late night gaming escapade. They open the refrigerator to find a package of gummy bears laced with psilocybin. There, Lucifer greets them and whispers into their ear, You had so much fun last night. Why not try enough gummy bears to really enjoy a day off today since you are tired anyhow? Just call in sick and enjoy yourself. Then in the other ear, Aramon whispers, You are really getting good at your video game. And if you keep practicing, you can get a good job working for a gaming company and make lots of money. Why not just call in sick and practice today? And then Lucifer and Aramon team up and the young adult hears, Yes, a couple grams of mushrooms will give me a whole new perspective on ways to max out my video game. What's a little lie when I can call in sick and practice for the gaming competition and get a much better job? Then Christ steps in and says, You realize you made a commitment to your parents to help pay for your college and cover your living expenses, and that means you need to keep your job. You also agreed to the requirements and responsibilities of your job. And you are part of a team that depends on you. It is important that you become an adult and not burden your parents by acting childish when you should be contributing as an adult. In light of your commitments, my dear child, before you listen to Lucifer and Ehrman, I encourage you to connect to your heart and ask yourself, what would love do now? As we explore Lucifer, Christ, and Ehrman in more detail, please keep in mind that a simple, powerful, effective way to keep Christ in your life particularly when Lucifer and Ehrman are working their black magic through you, is to always remember to ask the question, what would love do now? Christ's advice, so natural to practitioners of bhakti yoga, is surely and always to use your heart to feel what you know. Christ beyond Christianity. The Christ principle is not isolated to Christian conception and has its co-equal as expressed through love in all world religions. The Christ principle is present in Ibrahim Karim's system of biogeometry, a system that allows practitioners a means to objectively feel centering energy and develop a living relationship with it. While Lucifer wants to dissolve and free us from the bonds that Ehrman wants to concretize, harden, or crystallize through spiritual awareness within the individual, love finds a middle path. When, for example, we are parenting a child, if we align too much with Lucifer, we may try and dissolve the challenges a child is going through, such as learning to get along with others. Ehrman's influence may be to encourage the child to be cunning, lie, and convince the other child that it's all their fault. But if Buddha, Krishna, Lao Tzu, or Mahatma Gandhi were our parenting coach, we are likely to be instructed to teach the child to communicate non-violently to accept the challenge as an opportunity for greater understanding, have empathy and compassion for another child's meanness, to state how you feel 
and what your wants and needs are. To seek a resolution based on what is fair for all involved and make a healthy compromise when needed. In his excellent book, The Physics of Quality, Ibrahim Cream gives us yet another expression of the Christ principle, which he calls Zeron. Zeron, Dr. Cream explains, is the activation of consciousness as the centering principle. It is the divine center. Zeron is beyond duality or time and space, a bi-directional doorway to the zero state from which the infinity of creation emerges. Zeron is the intermediate state between the zero infinity, non-dualistic dimension and the duality of creation. It is the activation of consciousness as a background state formed of pulsating centers. Each center is referred to as a Zeron. The centering principle is equally existing before and after the emergence of full duality and is equally a center and a background. Lucifer, Christ, and Eremon, though categorized as beings by some authors, as both beings and aspects inherent in the elemental forces within the soul of man by Steiner, are in my conception modes of consciousness inherent to the human soul, the psyche. Lucifer, come by way of the fire and air elements, and Eremon, water and earth, are not only constituents of our bodies, but both Lucifer and Eremon's influences act most strongly on the human mind, intellect, which is most involved in beliefs and in making choices. There is an important realization to be made here. The body and mind are interfused while we are embodied, just as two sides of a coin are required to make currency. Just as the radio wave and the radio are interfused whenever one is listening to a radio, just as damaging the radio alters the capacity for both reception and transmission. So it is with the relationship between our body and our mind. People often easily get caught up in Luciferic notions of spiritual transcendence, which include such things as denial of the body, rigid dietary restrictions, vegetarianism and veganism being the most common among them today, extensive fasting, and a variety of such exclusions, including other forms of asceticism. As a therapist with a long history of working with such people due to serious health challenges of a wide variety, I can assure you that failure to have a conscious, honest relationship with one's body, instincts, and recognition of one's ancestral or genetic needs leads often to lofty preaching or fanaticism. Such isms demand that their respective diet dogmas are the best way to be healthy and the best for the planet. Yet, a common product of such fanaticism is often metabolic, hormonal, structural, and autonomic dysregulation, showing clearly that the mind and body reflect each other as a living mirror of one's beliefs and choices. Those that are hypnotized by the aromonic influence are very susceptible to any kind of health, diet, transgender, or anti-aging fad born of medical, technical, or magical genius. This can range from plastic surgery, magic pills, a wide variety of biohacking approaches, and any form of being told what and how much to eat, exercise, or sleep by devices, gadgets, computers, etc., Consider that Bill Gates and many others, such as the members of the WAEF, are pushing heavily the inclusion of nanotechnology that monitors your biochemistry, biomarkers, and even your thoughts and emotions in real time. 
With this information, AI technology or security corporations will have the ability to release drugs into one's body, alter thoughts and emotions, and control pretty much every aspect of what it means to be human. From a spiritual perspective, this is not an advancement in any way, shape, or form, but is a technical means of invading the domain of one's soul, leading one to be more of a biological, hackable, controllable robot. A robot without any semblance of free will. A veritable death to the self and self-agency. We must carefully consider what it means to be human and even what it means to be alive. When you no longer have control of your own body, emotions, thoughts, and choices, are you really alive? Is a power tool alive? How much electromechanical technology or synthetic foreign DNA can you put into someone before they are technically no longer human, but an aramonic deception? These are the very issues that Steiner both prophesied and warned humanity about long ago. COVID and all the related events, policy changes, extreme censorship, undemocratic law changes, language and definition changes, abortions of the principles and authentic practices of science, plants that are genetically modified to produce vaccines within themselves, all bear the signature of Aramon and the Aramonic beings of darkness hard and fast at work. The Christ principle as the middle or balancing force between Lucifer and Aramon represents the potential for the heart to inform and infuse love within the duality of mind and the mind-body duality. Lucifer and Aramon's existence depends upon the complementary opposition of relationship depicted in the yin-yang relationship in the classical Tai Chi symbol. Any duality is the equivalent of conditional love, which is born of unconditional love or the Christian notion of Christ consciousness, which also has its equivalent in the Tao concept of Taoism. This analog of the Christ principle as shared in the Tao of Jung, The Way of Integrity by David Rosen, MD, page 79, is what ancient philosopher sage Zi referred to as the pivot of the Tao, which he describes as follows. The pivot of the Tao passes through the center where all affirmations and denials converge. The person who grasps the pivot is at the still point from which all the movements and oppositions can be seen in their right relationship. Hence, the individual sees the limitless possibilities of both yes and no, abandoning all thought of imposing a limit or taking sides. The true self rests in direct intuition. Therefore, I said, better to abandon disputation and seek the true light. Within Buddhism, which is older than Taoism and significantly predates Christianity, awareness of the right course of action to balance opposing forces or ideals, such as Lucifer and Aramon, already existed. A classic example is the noble middle path of Buddhism. In the Dhamma Kakapavatana Sutra, the first sermon preached after his enlightenment, the Buddha warned his followers to avoid extremes of lifestyle. The sutra reads, Monks, these two extremes should not be followed by one who has gone forth as a wanderer. What two? Devotion to the pleasures of sense and devotion of self-mortification, which is painful, unworthy, and unprofitable. By avoiding these two extremes, the Buddha has gained knowledge of the middle path, which giveth vision, which giveth knowledge, enlightenment. Nirvana. The mediating qualities of the Christ principle or Christ consciousness 
Now that you have an overview of the nature of Lucifer, Aramon, and the various expressions of them, I would like to highlight some of the qualities of the Christ principle that create the necessary trinity Steiner suggests as essential to getting past duality consciousness into trinitarian consciousness and thinking. To best help you visualize the relationship between Lucifer on one side of Christ and Aramon on the other, think of a balance beam scale. Lucifer is the pan on one side, Aramon the pan on the other, and Christ represents the balance beam or pivot in the middle. The qualities of Christ as mediator between Lucifer and Aramon are Christ's mission is to support humanity throughout the earth stage of their evolution, to give true meaning to life on earth. To do so, Christ's consciousness helps illuminate the traps created by Lucifer and Aramon so we can be aware of the significance of our choices and actions. Only by being aware of the Luciferic and Aramonic tendencies within each of us in light of the Christ principle can we make the best of our opportunity to evolve on earth. The living Christ is the manifestation of love in living practice, not just an ideology. The realization of man's potential to give us the strength to see the degradation of the earth and man and not turn a blind eye to it, but participate in the healing, balancing, and co-evolution of earth and man. This mode of taking action is shared with the lucidity in Mickey Willis's Plandemic, the Great Awakening documentary. The importance of love as the highest truth and the greatest necessity for personal, relational, professional, and spiritual development. The essential importance of morality for human development in general and spiritual development as a whole. The capacity to see both the positive and negative qualities of Lucifer and Aramon as essential to being human, having free will, and ultimately as a means of accelerating human spiritual evolution. Awareness of the heart is essential to bringing justice to the mind. The capacity to hold the tensions of the opposites and make decisions based on love, morality, goodwill, and what is ultimately best for all involved. To give us the strength to resist the temptations of evil and the materialistic tendency to feed the emptiness of our soul with endless consumption of goods. To strengthen our capacity to stand up for ourselves against the forces of evil through nonviolent means. The ability to see the importance of Earth's evolution in concert with and essential to the evolution of man. The inspiration to balance one's outer perception of love, goodness, beauty, and truth through honest, heart-centered inner perception and self-reflection. Understanding the duality created by Lucifer and Araman and how we experience the dark influence of them whenever we lack the balancing and centering force of Christ consciousness. In A Road to Sacred Creation, Rudolf Steiner's Perspectives on Technology, Volume 1, Gary Lamb shares Steiner's commentary on Araman, Lucifer, and how they work together to accomplish their aims. As evil as they may be, keep in mind that they are ultimately a means of allowing human beings to achieve true freedom, which is essential for their development in the future of and evolution of life and the cosmos as a whole. Lamb, quoting Steiner's lecture titled Memory and Habit, given August 26, 1916, shares the following. But whenever there is lying, it is proof that Araman is at work in the physical world in an unjustified way. This particular activity of Araman in the world is something that man has to overcome. Why then has Araman been allowed to access the physical world? 
If he were not there, we should be like innocent lambs, for the impulse would continually be never to form concepts which did not tally with the facts. We should only express what we actually observed as fact, but we should do this of necessity. It would be impossible for us to do anything else, and there would be no question of free spiritual activity. In order to be able to speak the truth as free beings, we must acquire the power to conquer Ahriman within us at every moment. Ahriman must be there, enticing, working, creating as the devil. Ahriman must be there, but the trouble is that men follow him so closely and do not recognize him as the devil who entices, works and creates, and who must be overcome. Another aspect of Ahriman that it is important to keep in mind, particularly if you've been paying attention to how TV and social media has been weaponized with memes and propaganda, particularly since the beginning of COVID, is that Ahriman has no interest in making facts match reality. Ahriman does his magic through effects. If Ahriman's influences on the black magicians working their spells on people produces the effects of scaring them, then the stage is set. Once the effect of fear has gripped people, getting them to conform to ideas, concepts, or to make choices that bind them, turns them into conformists and gets them enrolled in the use of dangerous technologies of any sort that turns them into robotic automatons. Ahriman's objectives have been met. If you are paying attention, you will see clearly this is exactly as the WEF and globalists intend. It is through such people, then, that Ahriman is incarnating. These very dark sorcerers and their unsuspecting lambs foster his embodiment on Earth, just as Steiner warned of over 100 years ago. Lucifer's chief interests are to create disconnection between one's thoughts and reality, and to cripple the will forces within human beings. Without will, there is no will to power no likelihood of taking action in your life, and certainly not the world, for which Lucifer seeks to extract you from. Lucifer wants all human beings to worship him, not God. Lucifer's connection to human will can be seen as inspiring the will to follow him. If you think of how much will it takes to disconnect oneself from the matrix of the world or Maya, as the non-dualistic so often seek to do, it is challenging as becoming a citizen of the land and living totally off-grid. Lamb continues, quoting Steiner's lecture titled Guardian Angels, given on October the 23rd, 1921. Lucifer also does not concern himself with correct relations between thoughts and reality. However, he comes from a quite different perspective than Ahriman. While Ahriman is focused on the effects of what is communicated, Lucifer's focus is on premature expansion of consciousness and the attainment of inner visions that are disconnected from reality. As with Ahriman, Lucifer is never concerned with the agreement of an idea with actuality. Lucifer is out to cultivate such ideas as will generate in man the highest possible degree of consciousness. Steiner clarifies, Understand me well. I mean by that, cultivation of the most enhanced consciousness. This expanded consciousness in which Lucifer is interested is associated with a certain inner voluptuousness in man. Prematurely to induce consciousness in man, that is to say to call forth consciousness, whereas under proper conditions, this particular degree of consciousness should unfold at another period of time, and this is the aim of Lucifer. 
Lucifer does not want the attention of men to be directed altogether to externalities. He would like everything that works into the consciousness to work from within. Hence all visionary life, which is, as it were, an exutation of forces in the inner organs, is of a Luciferic nature. It is therefore correct to say that both Ahriman and Lucifer are equally unconcerned as to whether ideas agree with actuality. Ahriman is concerned with the effects of what is said, while Lucifer's aim is to bring about an enhanced consciousness in man of what, in a particular situation, should not really become conscious. Now, before I move on, I expect that if you are paying attention right now, you are wondering, what is it that Steiner is implying when he said, should not really become conscious? Here are examples of what Steiner is referring to, as I perceived it based on my studies of Steiner's teaching. We should not become conscious of the concept that Maya is a great illusion, and therefore avoid getting involved in the world and addressing the issues thereof. This is the Luciferic influence as disseminated through many of the non-dualistic teachings of Eastern religions. For example, though Hinduism offers various concepts of God, Hinduism can also be divided upon the lines of whether the physical universe is considered to be real or illusionary, Maya. The non-dualists of the Advaita tradition see Brahman, or God, alone as being real and the world as illusionary. An example of Advaita scripture is the Ribu Gita, the Song of Ribu, which, as is often the case in Buddhism, portrays the individual self to be illusory. Though such scriptures, in my opinion, are very beautiful, the misunderstanding of the world as Maya illusion leads exactly to what Lucifer wants, for people not to get involved, to disengage from the world and the issues of caring for it and each other. An additional concern regarding such Luciferic influence is that any scripture that seeks to abolish the ego is problematic. Our ego is our sense of self. Without our ego, there can be no individuality, and without individuality, there is no means by which to engage and experience love. Love requires an I-thou relationship, and without the ego or oneself of I-ness, one enters a non-dual state, a unity in which individuality ceases to exist. Steiner knew very well the importance of the ego and the stages of development that leads to its necessary formation, and what happens when the ego doesn't form. In the Western culture today, largely due to Luciferic and Aramanic influences, we have a huge problem of metaphorical daddy worship. This retards the process of individuation, becoming an adult contributor to society. The Marxist, socialist and communist agendas all hinge around abolishing the self, which extends itself right down to the family unit. In these ideologies, all worship is directed to the emperor or self-chosen leader of the ideology and none other. All notions of the self are abolished and if one does accept such dictates, reprogramming through imprisonment and torture are commonplace. Additionally, as alluded to earlier, without an adequately formed ego, people lack the discernment needed to think for themselves. And we just saw how dangerous that can be when the COVID pandemic hit. When propaganda, pseudoscience and false authority figures coerced people into vaccinations. 
Vaccines that real science now clearly defines as largely ineffective, toxic and dangerous. Anyone looking into this honestly will find that the injury and death toll from such an aramanic illusion to be far greater than the total injuries and death from all vaccines in recorded history. And yet the show goes on, and those without an ego look to such pseudo-leaders as mummy and daddy figures. They are also dangerously trusting that what they see on the news is factual, and like children believe that doctors and three-letter organizations are actually looking after their best interests. This kind of blind trust has been clearly identified as mass formation psychosis. An excellent book that details exactly how mass formation psychosis is created, the science and history of brainwashing, and how to free oneself from these dangerous influences is The Rape of Mind by Dr. Eust Merlu. Yet, as mountains of factual information on the dangers of mRNA vaccines and other new improved vaccines, as well as whistleblower testimonials pour forth, efforts to allow children to override parental consent to get vaccinated are being pushed through legislation. Children, in many instances, have been told by school teachers, nurses, and even medical doctors that it's okay not to tell your parents that you got this vaccination. Remember, as we have learned, it is Ahriman that encourages lying of all types and Lucifer who loves to spin illusions and give more consciousness than is ideal. To make a child conscious that there is a way to have adult freedoms and responsibilities in absence of parental guidance is immoral, evil, and can only lead to the consequences of evil. Sadly, it is in this instance the children who will carry the burden of being given adult consciousness and adult responsibilities while still children. We can also see what shouldn't be made conscious too soon in the case of children. For example, if a couple have just finished having some lovely morning sex and walked out of the bedroom door only to have their young child ask, Mummy, what were you and Daddy doing in there? I heard some funny noises coming from your bedroom. How much would it be wise to tell the child? To make that child conscious of. Too much consciousness too soon can be dangerous. Now we can see Ahriman's evil influences being exerted everywhere today in the issues of gender identity and the resultant sex change operations being administered as early as two years of age. We now have government officials and others deeply possessed by Ahriman, trying to, and sometimes succeeding, at passing laws that allow children to override parental consent and get sex change operations. Ahriman's sex agendas, which are disseminated by globalists, have led to very explicit books of pornography, gay and lesbian sex being put into elementary schools worldwide. We have kids being taught about these things explicitly in children's so-called sex education classes as early as preschool or kindergarten in places such as Scandinavia. I recently saw a video featuring a teacher in a Christian school demonstrating the how-to of gay sex with props for children to play with. This is too much consciousness and is exactly what Steiner is warning about regarding the evil influences of both Lucifer and Ahriman. Steiner extends his description of how Lucifer and Ahriman influence the growth and development of humanity, showing how Luciferic beings and Ahrimanic beings enter and live within the souls of human beings. Luciferic beings, opposing Ahriman's tendency to solidify and rigidify, seek to dissolve all physical things, 
From an elemental perspective, we are all beings created of earth, water, fire and air. Remember, the alchemist didn't just see the elements as their physical expressions, but as ranges of frequency or vibration, just as each color of a rainbow expresses a range of frequency as reflected in its color. We can shine white light through a prism and it refracts into the seven colors of the rainbow. Just as the white light entering the prism is a mixture of different wavelengths, each of which gets bent slightly differently, you can think of the white light as the translucent light of source or God, and the prism as our own soul. The complexity of the hierarchy of angelic beings that Steiner and others suggest are the creative beings that ultimately shape the human soul and create our physical body is inherent in both the light and the prism, or our soul. The actual interactions of and functions of Lucifer and Ahriman being essential to the creation and experience of free will among humanity and for our own evolution are, as Steiner so often states, not evil in and of themselves. But we must also consider that each soul, a prism in analogy, has several factors that influence the refraction of the divine light or light impulse and consciousness within us. Some of these include what is retained within each soul from past life experiences, be they positive or negative. Our unique individual genetics, which carry a vast number of traits from our hereditary, which is energetically and spiritually linked with our ancestors and all that they carry within their souls. Our parental and family indoctrination and wounds we hold that are as yet unresolved, all of which are inherent to the formation of our personal ego our personal experiences, and the contents within our personal unconscious and shadow, our personal responses to stimuli of any given type. For example, it is well demonstrated in color therapy that you can show one person a given color, say red, and though the color red normally strengthens our blood and enhances our sense of safety and security, an individual may respond by feeling emotions of anger arise, seeing red. On the other hand, another person, due to the absolute uniqueness of any individual, can be exposed to the same red light and feel strengthened and more stable. What I'm trying to point out in analogy here is that our souls carry all these formative influences within them, and each of them, for better or worse, produces a means of which the light of Lucifer and Ahriman are uniquely distorted. While Lucifer's influence may be just what the workaholic needs to inspire some much-needed rest, or even a healing ceremony with plant medicines, in another soul, even within the same family, Lucifer's light may be distorted such that whimsical mysticism, fantasizing, attraction to glamour, or an inflated ego are the result. Ahriman's natural influences of congealing or hardening can give us teeth, bones, and adequate solidarity of form or can be distorted by the prism of one's soul such that the same force extends itself to the psyche, producing people who create immoral technologies that make them money and or give them immoral or unethical control over other human beings. It is only through our own spiritual evolution, which includes our own healing, that we come to remove the impurities in the prism of our soul so that we can finally see the rainbow without unconscious or conscious distortion. Then we can feel and experience Lucifer and Ahriman's influences within ourselves and our lives in ways that are congruent with the reality of what they offer to humanity.
On the necessity of engaging legitimate spiritual development and healing our wounds, Steiner states, No one can be born in the spiritual world with spiritual eyes without first having developed them in the physical world, any more than a child could be born with physical eyes had they not already been formed within the mother's womb. Because Lucifer and Araman are ultimately beings of spiritual intelligence and are themselves spirits and not as a whole embodied except within each of us, we generally cannot see them with our physical eyes. We can only see their actions and what they create. Just as Steiner, through years of commitment and spiritual development, could clearly see into the spiritual realms, as we each heal, learn, and grow spiritually, we too can come to see Lucifer and Araman within the subtle spiritual realms, just as mediums and clairvoyants can see ghosts in our world. To return back to the analogy of the divine light passing through the prism of our soul for a moment, It is important to distinguish the difference between the authentic or natural light of spirit and the artificial light projected by the negative entities that support Lucifer and Araman in giving us the challenges that ultimately give us free will. Certainly, many of you have experienced the difference in how marijuana grown outside in the sunlight differs from marijuana grown indoors with a lot of toxic chemicals and artificial lighting. Natural light and organic soil produce marijuana that is healing, calming, supportive of one's emotional and mental healing and creativity. Artificial lighting and chemicals produce marijuana that leaves the body buzzing with the frequency of the artificial lighting, leaves people feeling nervous, anxious and often gives them a bad case of the munchies. This is a very good comparison, highlighting the fact that the natural light of the divine or the Christ principle is always healing, centering, strengthening, and supports us in balancing the luciferic and aromanic polarities inherent within consciousness. The artificial light produced by the negative influences the psyche of humanity and all the flashiness, trickery, falsities and illusions of Lucifer, Araman and Satan only leave you in progressively greater states of illusion and disharmony. Or like the many who attacked others for not getting vaccinated only to find themselves refuting their statements a year later or badly injured or even dead. The light emanating from the Christ is nourishing and strengthens us for our hero's journey of spiritual development and self-realization, while the false light of Lucifer and Araman keeps us all trapped in the very unhealthy illusions, ultimately degrading the quality of love we share with others, ourselves and the world. When we look at what Steiner shares regarding the creation of the embodied human soul, we should consider fire as the highest vibration of spirit, which expresses the creative urge or impulse of source, ultimately to be informed by the stepping down of frequency to air, water and finally earth, where we gain solidarity of form. With this in mind, Steiner informs us that the Luciferic beings, or the expressions of Lucifer, enter us through the fire, the warmth ether, and air, the light ether elements. Lucifer, essential to the formation of man, acts through the astral body and expresses himself within us through our head and thinking processes. Araman serves up cold intellect in partnership with Lucifer. Manly P. Hall, in his excellent book called Magic, gives us some additional insights into the actual nature of Lucifer and how his powers can be used in the creation of evil. Hall states, 
Lucifer, on the other hand, is the spirit of excess, the flaming sun of rashness and the ruler of sense gratification, over which he wields dominion with a scepter of serpents. Those who fall victims to his power do deeds of violence, not because he wills it so, but because they have this spirit of energy and pervert him themselves. Lucifer is the light bringer. He is transmuted by man into the fiery demon of war and hate. His power is used by man as the inspiration of lust and passion, while he would have used it only for the attainment of ideality. Uncurbed, those who fall under the sway of his influence dash madly to their own destruction. He is always opposed to Satan, seeking to snatch the soul of man from the cold embrace of the Father. Examples of the negative, dark, or evil aspects of Lucifer and the Luciferic beings in the lives of human beings include being a great tempter who appeals to and inflames people's passions, desires, and egoism. Lucifer brings envy into the human soul. Whenever you are envious of another, you are under Lucifer's influence. Lucifer plays on human pride. Lucifer offers delusions of divinity, but also motivates creativity and spirituality. He brings the message of spirit and denial of the material, enticing people into forsaking the divine powers and abandoning life on earth altogether. In doing so, Lucifer inspires people to become visionaries whose thoughts are disconnected from reality. Be aware that forsaking divine powers usually equates to forsaking morality, for the ultimate divine power is God and God is love, and genuine love is the basis of morality. The belief that the world is Maya and the goal should be to get out of it, not to participate in the world. Lucifer promises greater freedom to be like the angels in higher realms, encouraging people to disengage from the responsibilities of their life and that of the world. Lucifer's influence can be seen amongst those such as yogis and mystics who seek to get out of the world and to drop out so they can meditate their life away on mountains and in caves. It was this very Luciferic delusion of reality that the great Hindu and Muslim mystic Saint Kabir was vehemently against, informing his students that there was no such thing as spiritual growth if it couldn't be demonstrated in the world. Kabir didn't believe in asceticism, celibacy, or other such religious abstractions. He encouraged his students to be householders, have a spouse and children, and engage life fully as a means of legitimate spiritual development. The promotion of fantasy, illusion, and superstitious thinking. While Lucifer aids in the generation of illusions of all sorts, he partners with Araman to make use cold intellectual thinking, pseudoscience, and statistical manipulation to make illusions look and feel real, enticing people to beliefs and choices that ultimately limit their freedom, injure, or kill them. Lucifer gives us one set of forces which are the upward-striving Luciferic forces which approach us through mysticism, sentimentality, and rapturous imagination, but also in all that degenerates into fantasy and phantasm. To exemplify just how it is that Lucifer inspires us with upward-striving forces and experiences of mysticism, Thomas Poplowski, in the introduction to the book, called Lucifer and Araman, Human Responsibility for the Earth, rightly states, 
The hallucinogenic drug user is open to receiving luciferic light and often feels quite wise when in the midst of the drug experience. Without the meditative discipline of the serious student of the spirit, however, the contact with those realms is rarely beneficial and in fact is often quite harmful. It is with Poblowski's concerns in mind that shaman Hamilton Souther and I created a comprehensive podcast, episode 234, Plant Medicine Essentials, explaining in detail how to avoid the luciferic tendencies so often inspiring people to psychedelic drug use today, and how to use them intelligently and as a component of a legitimate spiritual developmental practice. The desire to live in a state of non-dual consciousness, non-dual consciousness must be balanced with duality consciousness to function effectively in the world. To make man into a moral automaton, that means someone else dictates our moral code to and for you instead of taking counsel with your own heart. To see Lucifer at work in this regard, look no further than religious fundamentalists willing to fight and war with anyone who disagrees with their interpretation of scripture, or anyone who turns the responsibility of their choices and their self-agency over to the herd, or leader, of any ism or cult. Hi everybody, I hope you're enjoying the show. I imagine you know that magnesium is one of the minerals that people in North America are the most efficient in, but it's an extremely important mineral to have in your diet regularly. And believe it or not, Bioptimizers has improved what was already well known to be the best magnesium formula out there called Magnesium Breakthrough. So I've got Wade Lightheart with me to explain what it is they've done to improve this already excellent formula. Wade, what is new about your new Mag Breakthrough formula? Well, it's called sucrosomial magnesium. So we have seven different types of magnesium in Magnesium Breakthrough because they're uptaken by different parts of the body. But a new type of magnesium has been created called sucrosomial. And what it shows in the research in science is that it's actually even more absorbable by the body, particularly inside of the brain, which is a big aspect uh, to enhance neurotransmitter formation, as well as ensuring the rest and relax response in the nervous system that a lot of people will take magnesium for. They find it, you know, clocks them down, helps them sleep better, allows for the relaxation of striated and smooth muscle tissue in the body, which creates an energetic relief. And so when we added sucrosomial, we were able to demonstrate inside our lab facility that we were able to get better improvements. Of course, we have a partnership with the Birch International University. We have some patents we're working on, uh, which will kind of relay some of these things. But sucrosomial was a no-brainer when we added to the formula, improved the results or improved the uptake. And the reports back from our testing team were like, wow, this we get more results with less caps. And that's always the goal for our company. That's excellent. I love it. I, I always say, and people have probably heard me say it before, I just am so amazed how you guys are constantly and always improving and working your best to not only make better products for us, but it doesn't seem to me that it gets more expensive as you make them better. So that's a real gift to the world. Thank you. Where can people get their new magnesium breakthrough formula? All they need to do is go to www.magbreakthrough.com slash living4d, put in Paul 10, get 10% discount on your first bottle. And of course, if you order multiple bottles, you can get an extensive discount on that as well. And like everything else, we sell 365 day money back guarantee. If this isn't the best 
magnesium you've ever taken in your life. We demand that you tell us and we can give you your money back. But I think you're probably going to demand, hey, can I get more of this? <laughs> that, that's probably more the truth. So that's mag, M-A-G, breakthrough.com forward slash living number four. And then the letter D, code Paul 10. Enjoy deeper relaxation and better nutrition with mag breakthrough. Examples of the negative, dark, or evil aspects of Aramon and the Aramonic sub-beings or evil spirits in the lives of human beings. Acting largely through our etheric body, what Steiner refers to as sub-Aramonic beings enter the human beings unconsciously through the water element and reach down into the earth element, seeking to solidify anything they can. Examples of the influence of Aramon and the influence of the evil spirits that emanate from him on human beings, their thinking processes, the choices they make, and how they live in this regard include the following. As a force of hardening or crystallization, Aramon can be associated with disease processes with the suffix osis, which means hardening, such as sclerosis, spinal stenosis, tendinosis, or atherosclerosis. A hardening of one's heart and associated emotional rigidity, Aramon seeks to eliminate any human thoughts or concepts with warmth, caring, genuine interest, feeling, or connection. Aramon tempts people to deny their divinity and live entirely on the material plane. Aramon stimulates interest in technology and the use of technology. Aramon is the biohacker extraordinaire. The fixation of ideas or belief systems that typically lead to closed-mindedness and the formation of isms, dogmas, and closed belief systems. Below, I will highlight Steiner's explanation of just how this plays out in religion in general, but Steiner's reference is specifically to Christianity. The desire to have total control over people and dominate the world, keep people busy, and entirely halt their spiritual evolution. Aramon provides us all with a willingness to lie, trick, and deceive oneself and others. Prejudices of all kinds and using them to instigate conflicts within individuals, among family members, between groups of all sorts, within races, religions, and people. Aramon inspires corrupted nationalism and patriotism, a strengthening of the parasitic impulse of man. Obsession with personal and group power and domination and perpetual strife and warfare. Aramon worships the quantitative and ignores the qualitative, the classic mindset of the Western materialist science. Aramon supports chauvinism. Aramon focuses on external appearances. Aramon possesses rulers to be dominated with economic thinking and moneyed interests at the expense of real value and better quality living. Aramon seeks to blind people to the earth, in part by encouraging them to be endlessly busy with mundane matters. He attempts to keep man in a sleepy state of hypnosis, making human beings easily programmed and controllable by having them in a perpetual state of fear and anxiety. Aramon encourages the over-reliance on logical or rational thinking in absence of qualitative emotional qualities that are necessary to engage reality in a balanced way.
Aramon encourages over-reliance on the intellect and deeming things true without being coupled with actual experience. Spinning theories that are presented as factual, often as a means of convincing people by means of slogans, memes, the manipulation of math and statistics, and the use of pseudoscience to create the illusion of facts, often as a means of enrolling people into schemes that take away their freedom and often harm them, their families, or any larger social structure. Keeping people invested in material means and prioritizing material means over the spiritual needs of the human being. This includes Aramon's intentions to convince people that they live in a despiritualized material mechanical cosmos. Opposition to humanity's realization that human beings are physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual beings, not just animals that appeared by chance. A devotion to duty in absence of love. Being, living, and acting like a robot. The over-reliance on electricity, electrical devices, and gadgets, machines, and technologies that purport to make man's life easier, but ultimately do not. Biohacking, for example, is aramonic at its core, taking shortcuts. The use of AI and computing machines to do our thinking for us, making us less self-reliant and capable. A focus on materialism and modern technology. Aramon's ultimate aim is to literally consume the world by enslaving man with and to machines and the perpetual creation of more and more machines. The illusion is that they work for us, but the fact is that they envelop and consume our time, energy, resources, and ultimately disconnect us from the delicate balance of life in, as, and through nature. Ehrman seeks to make man into an intelligent automaton, which is exactly what the World Economic Forum, globalist, and tech giants seek to do. Steiner, in his lecture titled Guardian Angels, which he offered October 23, 1921, puts Ehrman's agenda into perspective such that Ehrman's influences can be seen by anyone today. Now, over 100 years later, you can see just how clear Steiner's insights are considering the fact that Ehrman has been instrumental in turning human intellectual life from contemplations and activities of the soul to the creation of machinery, either in the form of industrial technology or the machine of the state. Steiner states, Ehrman has his finger in the construction of things of a mechanical and technical nature of everything that works in the direction of pulling the intellect away from the human level and pushing it into machines, either mechanical instruments or the machinery of the state. This is essentially the only reason why these things have arisen, particularly since the time of the Renaissance, and are now living among modern humanity. The pull toward mechanization, toward science without spirit, all this bears the hallmark of Aramon. Aramon has his hand in everything to do with the kind of science that deals only with the surface of things and does not penetrate through to the spirit and in every aspect of human action that entails mere mechanization. Warfare as a means of inviting Aramon's incarnation. Human beings have been engaged in warfare against each other for a very long time, and this tendency is more alive and more dangerous today than ever. Threats of atomic warfare between Biden and Putin are as recent as yesterday's reign. 
All the while, anyone that has read Naomi Klein's book, The Shock Doctrine, The Rise of Disaster Capitalism, or watched the documentary by the same title, can clearly see the playbook and strategies used by the globalist elite to wipe out and take control of entire nations. Yet anyone wise enough to investigate the structure of governments worldwide to find out who's really in control soon comes to the conclusion that there are sinister forces working from behind the puppet show of national governments that clearly have the hallmarks of Aramon's incarnation as prophesized by Steiner. Aramon, machine-like, consumptive of matter, desiring possession of the earth, is well-fed wherever there is war. Just think for a moment how much money, which is a form of energy or currency, technology, electricity, and machines go into the generation of all aspects of military warfare. Then consider that a place of battle is called a theater, and consider all the technology, electricity, and machines used to supply the resources for war. Then step further back and consider all the technology, electricity, and machines used to follow and report on the war to the public worldwide. Add to that the massive amount of psychic energy generated by war, and you begin to see the level of energy flowing into and through Aramon. Having looked into who is behind our notions of government multiple times in the past, for far less sinister reason than what has been imposed on humanity in the guise of COVID, such as 9-11, anthrax, the AIDS epidemic, etc., I was inspired to look again, deeply motivated and inspired by such important questions as these, and keep in mind I was once a member of the 82nd Airborne Division. How is it that Pfizer is able to get almost every country in the world to participate in the dissemination of what is by far the most dangerous, devastating vaccine campaign? A campaign that has all the hallmarks of genocide used by Nazis and regimes of the past and present. How is it that militaries worldwide are reporting severe injuries and massive amounts of death, that military physicians themselves have tracked back to mRNA vaccines, leaving many to conclude that the U.S. and other militaries are being debilitated to the point of being unfit and unprepared for battle should it rise, continue to enforce the use of dangerous unproven technologies to fight viruses for which not one stitch of physical evidence have ever been produced in a court of law? How is it that Pfizer is able to get governments and militaries, as part of their contractual relationship, to allow them access to all military bases, public and military airports, and access to other normally highly restricted areas for reasons of national defense when they are a drug and vaccine manufacturer? Why is it, with clear evidence of crimes against humanity being executed in mass, the clear use of fifth-generation warfare strategies and technologies, with massive amounts of illegal censorship, bribery used to fund immoral actions at all levels of government, medicine, education, financial, and religious institution, that Bill Gates, Anthony Fauci, the heads of the WHO, CDC, FDA, and other organizations are still walking the streets among law-abiding citizens. Why has there been no attempt by elite military units to handle them exactly as they would any terrorist organization as essential to protecting their people from enemies, foreign or domestic? As is so often the case, Steiner warned us of what was coming over 100 years ago, stating, We have entered a period in which humanity will be faced with perpetual warfare and strife. These upheavals will stimulate the growth of an inventiveness in physical life, which will make possible the bodily existence of a human individuality in whom Araman can and will incarnate. 
He elaborates further regarding the incarnation of Aramon in his lecture titled The Incarnation of Aramon, November 4, 1919. It is of the greatest importance that people should approach the coming incarnation of Aramon with full consciousness of this event, but they should await the incarnation of Aramon with full consciousness amidst the shattering events that will occur on the physical plane, amidst the perpetual stress of war and other tribulations of the immediate future, the human mind will become very inventive in the physical domain. Although this very growth of inventiveness in physical life, which cannot be averted in any way or by any means, the bodily existence of a human individuality in whom Aramon can incarnate will become possible and inevitable. Now, I suspect about now some of you could use some Christ presence. And we will conclude with Trinitarian thinking and the inclusion of the Christ principle in our lives later in the podcast. But in the meantime, there is something important about Steiner's prophecy of Aramon's incarnation into the bodily existence of a human individuality we should all carefully consider in light of the technological advances of today. It is no secret that Elon Musk, Google, DARPA, People like Ray Kurzweil, Yuval Noah Harari, and the minions of the World Economic Forum, not to mention secret military organizations, are well beyond what we gain public access to regarding transhumanism. We once watched Steve Austin, the $6 million man on TV, the bionic man, with great awe, completely unaware that this and other such shows were but a forecast for the near future. It is no secret that the Chinese, U.S., and other military organizations have been working hard to create super soldiers, be they part man and part machine or fully robotic. There are now videos showing soldier robots doing backflips and very complex human-like maneuvers. Therefore, it is entirely likely that Aramon's incarnation into the bodily existence of a human individuality may soon arrive as a hybrid mix of the world's most advanced technologies. Imagine if you could create an interface with the human brain and body that allowed the computational powers of the world's most advanced computers, your instant access to the global web and the world's libraries, access to the secrets of the military and spy organizations, inclusion of more advanced technology than NASA has, the most advanced regenerative medical technologies, the support of AI and or its creators, those pulling the strings of government who are obviously of low moral character, and this hybrid being knowingly or unwittingly possessed by the spirit of Aramon decides to take over the world. How would you protect yourself from such an entity? What kind of, if any, morals would be built into such a weapon? Would such a being have a soul oriented toward life and higher consciousness, or would it be more of a corporeal machine-like consciousness and artificial intelligence like AI? We should all consider why the word artificial is in front of intelligence as a side note. What has history taught us about psychopaths with too much money and power, and just how far they're willing to go? What has COVID taught you so far? What if Bill Gates was the man inside of such a machine? Fauci, maybe? Don't worry about him. He's too old and he's a lousy liar. Has Aramon possessed Elon Musk and we just don't realize it yet? These questions are no longer just intellectual musings of teenagers that love mixing electronic technologies with LSD in hopes of dreaming up something big, fantastic, and becoming famous. 
I personally predict this is exactly how Aramon will incarnate in something of a human form, and I can assure you that when that day arrives, the only words most people, even atheists, will be capable of uttering on first sight of such a spectacle will be, Oh my God. But the bigger question is, how many will know God or the Christ being in their heart well enough to connect to that source from their heart and access the wisdom he offers humanity? How about the importance of the Christ principle now? at this time in which we need the morality of Christ infused into our technology before Aramon and Lucifer have their way. It is these very situations, ushered in by Lucifer, Aramon, Satan, and other evil spirits that invite legitimate religion and legitimate spiritual growth. And here we all are together. Asuras, the Devil, and the Spirits of Darkness Now that we've explored the positive and negative qualities of Lucifer and Aramon and identified the ways in which their formative influences on men can go astray and result in the kinds of evil commonly attributed to Satan or the devil, I'd like to explore other spirits of darkness and the ways human beings get trapped by their influences. I will begin with some of Manly P. Hall's excellent teachings from his book Magic. And then we will explore the Asuras and related dark spirits Steiner speaks of, and I'll share what other traditions attribute to these beings and some of the different names and manifestations of them known to exist in the world throughout the history of humanity and today. Though somewhat different in orientation than Steiner, Manley P. Hall, on page 26 of his book titled Magic, shares these important concepts regarding the nature of Satan, Lucifer, and evil created by black magicians. In Paradise Lost, Milton tells how sin and death were launched into the world as the result of the disobedience of man. Satan, as prudence, shrewdness, negation, and crystallization, represents death, who eternally inhabits his creation. While Lucifer, as the energy and action, represents sin, the positive expression of misuse. They go about ministering to the needs of creation as constructive and helpful powers until the black magician, with the innate perversion of his own soul, bends them from their appointed way and launches them upon men as spirits of hell. The ancients called the forces of nature the one-eyed gods because they were no respecters of persons, but fulfilled their appointed pass, whether it be to kill or resurrect. The individualizing consciousness of the seven rings of sparks cast out from the universal paralia must become the one molder of these forces, and the karmic responsibility for this molding and the expression of these forces rest not upon the forces, but upon human and superhuman intelligences. The black magician is the one who learns to manipulate these forces for selfish and destructive purposes, his own aggrandizement or the fulfillment of desire, while the white magician prays that he may learn to manipulate them as God would have them manipulated for the salvation of the divine creation. The powers are in the hands of those capable of invoking them. It makes no difference whether for good or ill. For this reason, the schools of white magic conceal these powers from man until through growth, purification, and unfoldment, he gains the proper incentive for using them. For those of you interested in understanding the nature of Lucifer, Satan, and evil, Manly P. Hall shares a lot more sobering information in his book, Magic. 
but to keep the podcast from being longer than it is, I will leave it to you to explore more on your own. The Azuras, Ragshagzas, and the Nature of Evil Beings In Steiner's lecture titled The Deed of Christ, he describes the Azuras as retarded spiritual beings belonging to the hierarchy of the Archai. The Archai are the highest-ranking angels in the third hierarchy of angelic beings, below which are the archangels and the angels. The angels are the ninth level of the angelic hierarchy. Below the angels are the tenth, which are the human beings in their evolutionary process of ultimately joining the hierarchy of angels, according to Steiner. The Archi are also known as spirits of personality, principalities, and spirits of the time or epoch. Their tasks are to engender a future type of human being who can be entirely self-directing and independent. The Archi or principalities are also assigned to care for and guard communities, kingdoms, states and parishes and are associated with transitions in power. There are higher and lower Azuras, both involved in the development of the human eye. The higher Azuras play a positive role in this process and the lower Azuras are the spirits of temptation who penetrate and exacerbate the impulses of Ahriman and Lucifer. By penetrating the human consciousness or soul, the lower Azuras try to lure us into the belief that the physical world is the only reality. Through their influences upon human beings, awareness of any spiritual element gets blocked. In this way, human beings come to believe that they are just higher animals who have evolved from the animal kingdom. Think Darwinism. Like Ahriman, the lower Azuras also encourage materialism in all forms, including illusions, such as belief that the human soul can be uploaded as digital information to be stored in a cloud drive, to be downloaded into another body, offering man eternal life. Shortly, I will review many of the current activities we have been experiencing in recent years, largely resulting from people with power and money being possessed by these Aramanic sub-beings, the activities of which will be obvious to you. The Rakshasas Rakshasa is the name for a race or class of adverse spiritual entities not perceptible to the physical eyes, also called seducers of mankind, who represent the enemy of the spiritual moral evolution of mankind and the planet Earth. Rudolf Steiner usually uses the term Azuras, which they are similar to in nature. Steiner refers to the leader of the Azuras as Surat. Rakshasa, or demons, souls or astral forms of sorcerers, are beings who have reached the apex of knowledge in the forbidden art. Some authors suggest that they live here on earth among us. Artists that see or channel them depict them as having terrifying appearances, complete with fearful side tusks, ugly eyes, curling awkward brows, and carrying a variety of horrible weapons. Rakshasas were most often depicted as shape-shifting, fierce-looking, and monstrous, yet many also appear as beautiful and seductive women. In Hindu religion and mythology, the Rakshasas are depicted as the demons who haunt cemeteries, eat the flesh of men, think of satanic ritual ceremonies in which children and others are sacrificed, their blood drank, and sometimes their flesh eaten, and drink the milk of cows as if by magic. 
Rakshasas use their evil to disrupt religious ceremonies and prayer. In the view of Indonesian Muslims, the Rakshasas are viewed as the result of people whose soul is replaced by the spirit of a devil. The devils are envious of humans and thus attempt to possess their bodies and minds. If they succeed, the human adapts to the new soul and gains their qualities, turning the person into a Rakshasa. Think of what it may mean then when people, having committed atrocious crimes, say, the devil made me do it. Dead or alive, they have, so to say, cheated nature and will defy the order of the general evolution of earth, man and all beings in nature until our planet goes into obscuration. Should they succeed, they will have to turn around and fall into the main current of evolution and have a fresh start in the course of life. They are akin to a child who, losing a board game, chooses to tip the whole board over and stop everyone from playing so that they can avoid dealing with the fear or pain of losing. Once the board is flipped over, there can be no winner and everyone has to start over. Steiner informs us that a race of demonic beings was created as a result of sinful interaction between the remaining sons of God of the Abel line, akin to the divine, and the daughters of the worldly Cain line, the two streams of mankind. These beings acted seductively upon humanity and caused its downfall in the Atlantean epoch through the rise of black magic. Though Steiner suggests that Jesus bound the Azuras to stop them from inflicting evil upon human beings, a variety of sources suggest that the reappearance of the enemies of mankind was foreseen or expected to occur at the end of the 19th or through the 21st century, and that this may have already happened in the last 100 years between 1920 and 2020. This topic relates to the physical incarnation of Ahriman, with lots of speculation about this, as well as the impact of the beast from the book of Revelation occurring each 666 years. It is an interesting exercise to contemplate where these evil influences are to have re-emerged in the past 100 years as speculated. When considering which influences have thrown humanity off course, or rather represent major challenges for its moral, spiritual development, we can consider the following. Most popular sources like to put forth the Second World War, and given the two world wars are related as one, this could be seen as a single 30-year war with major impact. Other sources point to the rise of mobile computing, the personal computer, mobile phone and the smartphone, all in a few decades, and the rise of the selfie culture. Jeffrey Armstrong, author of the book titled The Bhagavad Gita Comes Alive, featured on my podcast in episode 165, Being a Spiritual Warrior, was among the first international salesmen of Apple's first computers and mobile computing devices. He shares why, even though very well paid, he left the job because he perceived the outcome of using such devices could become very dark. For the very reasons I highlight in my podcast titled The Danger of Living in Two Realities, episode 177, this evolution drastically pulled and still pulls mankind out of direct interaction with nature and confuses and obliterates our responsibility to care for her.
Naturally, such confusion about our moral and ethical responsibilities to the earth, nature, the elements, such as the soils, water and air, and the flora and fauna, results in the poisoning and destruction of the very sources of life that feed and sustain human beings. Consider that the word live, spelled backwards, the opposite of life, is evil. As a side note, I propose that you can easily see just who have been possessed by these entities by looking at who is proposing a green revolution. These are the people initiating carbon taxes and claiming to save nature. In actual fact, they own and operate the very corporations that are most responsible for the destruction of natural resources, creating a disease-for-profit digital monitoring system, keeping people using and addicted to medical and recreational drugs, destroying the food supply, poisoning the oceans and waterways, filling our skies with chemtrails and running psychops through their digital technology, not to mention their immoral and materialistic influences on the educational systems of the world. There are also now many excellent documentaries, interviews with investigators and whistleblowers showing the ties between these global elites and satanic cults, sex and human traffic rings, drug cartels, medical and vaccine cartels, transgender movements, corruption of governments and the destruction of democracy, and illegal immigration in mass as a means of destroying the spirit of nationalism so a communistic one-world government can rule to name but a few of their Ahrimanic exploits, most all of which Steiner foresaw and warned humanity of long ago. When Ahrimanic Rakshasas, the black magicians or sorcerers, rechannel so much of humanity's mental and emotional energy into a virtual world consisting largely of people's superficial musings, and the illusions created by a network of AI computer machines, we need only follow the money to the source of such illusions. And where do we end up? At the bank accounts of the very corporate heads, secret oligarchs, banking elites, and secret military organizations who fund the WHO, CDC, CIA, and agencies that orchestrated for-profit pandemics in the past, and the one we are recovering from now. Whereas the electronic elementals related to computer machines are easily linked with Ariman, the selfie culture may be seen as the product of inflated narcissism and the eye-centric egotism that retards personal individuation into a responsible, contributing adult. This form of capture by Aramanic black magicians keeps people passive, distracted, and living the lives of eternal children who are all too often possessed by the Rakshasas, or evil entities. There is a good reason teachers in Steiner's Waldorf schools request that all students do not use social media or digital devices until their ego is adequately formed to have discernment. Consider also that there are now drugs specifically targeting video game addiction. It would not be wrong to suggest that Ahriman's evil minions over the past 100 years have so trapped people in materialism and the eternal child archetype that a significant percentage of parents today neither accept the moral responsibility to parent nor have the energy it takes to engage children in beneficial ways. Most parents and children today spend more time engaging digital media and screens than anything else in their lives. 
Look at the connection between COVID and the amount of time children and young adults now spend interacting with computers, screens, social media, and video games as you consider what I'm sharing here. Exposure to mind-altering psychops run by the evil sorcerers leads to many problems. Without keen discernment and being anchored in the heart or Christ principle, subliminal programming by information fields being generated and hidden within social media, TV, movies, video games, virtual reality headsets, and phone apps hypnotize people of all ages, programs them, makes them passive, and dangerously receptive to possession by the negative influences of Lucifer and Araman, as well as the Sorats and the Rakshasas. Just look at, for example, how many famous leaders, teachers, yogis, musicians, singers, actors, elite athletes, and others who previously touted love, holism, and spirituality quickly got their COVID vaccination. Then consider how many of these same people were soon vilifying anyone who was cautious, did their own research, didn't wear masks and social distance, questioned authority and pseudoscience peddled as fact, as being evil, not worthy of hospital care, and even said that such people should be locked up or killed. I was personally shocked to see some of the very people I had great respect for and who I thought were spiritually and morally grounded or who were astute in their knowledge of science transform before my eyes to join the mass psychosis movement. Truly shocked and saddened for their loss of character, their loss of sanity and morality. Very sad indeed. As the pandemic gave testament to, eternal children in adult bodies do not think for themselves. They may believe almost anything they see on TV or social media and fall into the trap of pseudoscience peddled as statistics, charts and graphs, one of Ahriman's favourite tricks. All such eternal children quickly look for a daddy figure to tell them what to do in the face of a threat, be it manufactured or real, and fear never makes a good seeing eye dog. As we consider the events in the world since the beginning of COVID and how the forces of darkness have shrouded our lives and the magnitude of the lies being told by the global elites to this very moment, let's consider these words from Steiner once again. In a lecture Steiner gave 104 years ago titled The Mysteries of Light, of Space and of Earth. In the last five or six years, more lies have been told among civilized humanity than in any other period of world history. In public life, the truth has scarcely been spoken at all. Hardly a word has passed through the world that was true. In Steiner's lecture called The Fall of the Dark Spirits, given October 26th, 1917, he stated, In the future, the soul will be eliminated by drugs. Under the pretext of a healthy point of view, there will be a vaccine by which the human organism will be treated as soon as possible, possibly at birth, so that the human being cannot develop the thought of the existence of a soul and spirit. The task of eliminating the soul from mankind will be entrusted to materialistic physicians. Just as today people are vaccinated against this disease or that disease, so in the future children will be inoculated with a substance that can be produced in such a way that people will be immune to the madness of the spiritual life. 
They, such vaccinated people, would be extremely intelligent but not develop a consciousness, which is the real aim of some materialistic circles. With such a vaccine, you can easily break the etheric or life body loose in the spiritual body. With such a vaccine, you can easily detach the etheric body from the physical body. Once the etheric body is detached, the relationship between the universe and the etheric body would become extremely unstable, and man would become an automaton. For man's physical body must be polished on this earth by a spiritual will. Then the vaccine becomes a kind of arimanic force. Man can no longer get rid of a given materialistic feeling. He becomes a materialist by constitution and can no longer rise to the spiritual. In my observation and that of many others, the result of being under the spell of these Arimanic black magicians has been millions of severe injuries and deaths, a breakdown of the family unit, permanent psychological damage to developing children, a rapid rise in anxiety, depression and suicide rates, a revitalization of Luciferians, Satanism, racism and sexism, and constant exposure to their agenda in all forms of media, in educational institutions, politics, music, TV, and the performing arts. Religious segregation and infighting, and the co-opting of both Jesus and God as a key spokesperson for vaccines. Inconceivable confusion over one's gender, the infusion of transgendic and pornographic literature into elementary school libraries and school programs, the coercive use of almost every kind of digital device as a spy technology that invades personal privacy, a flood of addictive drugs on the streets, an increase in public shootings and staged black op programs to coerce the public's opinions and scare them into conforming to globalistic agendas and increased so-called security measures, the spreading of false information on global warming to further their own agenda, the destruction and poisoning of the food supply, water, air, and a veritable war against organic and free-range farmers the use of fires to force people into smart cities and break them financially, let alone destroy farmlands and food suppliers, the promotion of the illusion of the benefits of fake meats, vegetarianism and digital medicine, the continued use and propagation of extremely dangerous pesticides and related farming chemicals, the parceling out of the commons and sale of natural resources to large corporate identities that will sell what is yours back to you and stop you from accessing the nature in state parks, national forests, and etc. The continuation of oil drilling and fracking and inflation of oil, gas, propane, and electricity costs to the point of breaking people's ability to meet their core survival needs the WEF's war against God, the soul, and their sinister intentions to cage you and treat you as the hackable animals that they have deemed you to be, the rapid rise in inflation and devaluing of the US and other currencies worldwide as an attempt to create a unified digital currency and tracking system that gives bankers, oligarchs, and their three-letter organizations total control over humanity, and the seeming endless bribing of politicians and physicians at all levels, showing a complete vacancy of morality within them. There is a reason that money is said to be the root of all evil. And sadly, much more. 
all of which have come by way of lies promoted as truths, scientific facts, manipulation of statistics, cold or aromantic intellectualization, and propaganda. Naturally, many, particularly atheists who reject God and religion, and adherents to orthodox religious affiliations, reject the notion that God is the source of evil spirits, evil, and anything deemed other than good good here being a relative term based on their own judgment, and keeping in mind that Christianity and other religions have a long history of deeming it good to torture and kill those of other faiths. In my study of world religions, it became very clear to me that a. God, that for which there is no other, prime source, is and can only be the source of all that exists in the cosmos and the world, regardless of how we, from our very limited human perspective, judge what is. And indeed this truth, as scary as it can be for people, extends itself to evil. Though many religions are dualistic, pitting a good god against an evil god or deity, the danger of being indoctrinated into a religion cult, ism, or belief system, is that critical thinking is all too often extinguished. It takes only common sense to consider that any time you have two gods, one must ask, who created them? After all, we are not expecting people to mathematically calculate the trajectory of a rocket or to determine the velocity needed to escape Earth's gravity and make it to the moon. All the while, countless Christians and those of other faiths vehemently criticize any notion that evil is also created and allowed by God. Yet in the Christian Bible, Isaiah 45 verse 7 states, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. In fact, if you look at Bibles produced over 20 years ago and compare them with Bibles today, you will find in some editions the words of Isaiah 45.7 have been changed such that the truth of God's allowance of evil is avoided. All the while, countless Christians worldwide demand that the Bible has never been changed and is the direct word of God. Yet there are several scholarly books on the history of the Bible, the councils, such as the councils of Nicaea, and the many additions and subtractions made to the Bible by human beings, not God. Steiner, who was himself a Christian, in multiple lectures speaks directly of Lucifer's and Ahriman's influence within Christianity. Originally, Lucifer intended to help people develop independence and not become overly bound up with the world or too obsessive with religion or religious fanaticism. Steiner also describes how, so common today, Christians have unwittingly fallen prey to the influences of Ahriman, who uses cold intellect as a means of capturing people's minds for his own devices. Here are some of Steiner's comments in this regard. In the book titled The Incarnation of Ahriman, Steiner begins by informing us of how Ahriman works at distorting the truth. At the time of the mystery of Golgotha, or Christ's crucifixion, and for a few centuries afterwards, a conception of the real Christ was still possible, because accounts handed down by tradition could be understood with the help of pagan or Luciferic wisdom. This wisdom has now disappeared, and what sects and denominations find in the Gospels does not lead people to the real Christ for whom we seek through spiritual science, but to an illusionary picture, at most to a sublimated hallucination of Christ. 
The Gospels cannot lead to the real Christ unless they are illuminated by spiritual science. Failing this illumination, the Gospels as they stand give rise to what is no more than a hallucination of Christ's appearance in world history. This becomes very evident in the theology of our time. Steiner continues, Now it is a fact that in real life total errors are not so harmful as half or quarter truths. Total errors are soon seen through, whereas half and quarter truths mislead people. They live with them. These partial truths become a part of life and cause the most devastating confusion. Continuing, Steiner states, But there are also people today, numberless people, who acknowledge a certain half-truth, a very significant half-truth, and who do not properly scrutinize its purely hypothetical justification. Strange as it may appear to many people, it is just as one-sided to view the world solely through the Gospels and reject any other search for true reality as it is to view the world from the standpoint of Galileo and Copernicus or from materialistic university science in general. The Gospels were given to those who lived in the first centuries of Christianity, and to believe that they can instruct us in the whole of Christianity nowadays is simply a half-truth. It is therefore also a half-error, which befogs people and thus furnishes Ahriman with the best means of attaining the goal and the triumph of his incarnation. Very numerous are those who think they are speaking out of Christian humility, in reality are appallingly arrogant when they say, oh, we need no spiritual science. The homeliness, the simplicity of the Gospels, gives us all that human beings need of eternal truth. A frightful arrogance is expressed, for the most part, in this apparent humility, which is highly serviceable to Ahriman in the sense I have indicated. Steiner continues, I explained at the beginning of today's lecture how at the time the Gospels were written, people's thinking, feeling and views were still permeated by the Luciferic impulse and that they could understand the Gospels through a certain Luciferic gnosis. But understanding the Gospels in this old sense is not possible today. No real understanding of the Christ can be gained if one relies merely on the Gospels, especially in the form in which they have been handed down. Nowhere today does a less true understanding of Christ exist than in the various faiths and confessions. To Steiner's comments, I add the observation that very few, and I do mean that, regardless of how many years they claim to have studied the Bible or the scriptures of any world religion, actually understand what they are reading. Nor do they understand the ramifications of beliefs established on false conceptions of scripture not for themselves, their children, society, culture, or the world population. The Hindu philosopher sage Shankara put his finger right on the impulse of this issue when he stated, No man can understand scripture until he is enlightened, and when enlightened, he does not need scripture. To put this into perspective, consider that the greatest percentage of people with religious views were indoctrinated into them in childhood, well before the formation of their ego, and therefore their capacity for discernment. Next, ask yourself this very important question. What percentage of people indoctrinating children in churches and temples and Sunday schools the world over are themselves enlightened? I personally know the difference firsthand. As a child, my mother was a Christian scientist. I have many memories of being very scared of and confused about God 
and visceral memories of the deep frustration I felt when I couldn't get anyone in church to answer my questions about God. One such question was, if God is love, why would God burn anyone in hell? Kids are supposed to listen, not talk, is something I was told enough times to anger me. By the grace of God, when I was 12 years old, my mother joined the Self-Realization Fellowship, which was founded by Paramahansa Yogananda. From the very beginning, I was able to ask the monks any question I had, and I always got sound, rational, understandable answers and was never told to be quiet. To the contrary, I was encouraged to ask questions. Yogananda's teachings and the monks that delivered it were real medicine for the pains and confusion the little Christian boy in me had been unable to resolve. And indeed, Yogananda himself, in several places of his writings, addresses why God permits evil in the world, sometimes in ways similar to Steiner and others. I share this because looking back now, As a 61-year-old man with a lifetime of studying scriptures, philosophy, metaphysics, science of mind, science, quantum physics, cosmology, and many other relevant fields, and having had many experiences of union with God myself, I can assure you that the monks that saved the Christian boy in me were indeed enlightened. And if anyone should argue otherwise, I can attest to the fact that compared to my Christian influences, they were adequately enlightened to inspire and bring out the best of me. And they made me and countless others feel both safe and loved. They assured me that it was safe to be in a relationship with God. In my life, I have learned that God in one religion or sect is not the same as God in other religions or sects, and this is what happens when God is engaged through the intellect, not the heart or lived experience. Now, having been a therapist for a very long string of patients whose pain, illnesses, and diseases I tracked right back to programmed, dogmatic religious beliefs, it is very easy to see where Ahriman's satanic influences have crept into the churches and temples. It is also easy to see where Lucifer's attempts to take people out of this world have led to them foregoing responsibility for their body. Lucifer inspires many isms too. Careful questioning of my patients often revealed deep confusion of the actual meanings of scriptures. And that deep confusion was often alive in their parents, sadly all too often resulting in frequent and sometimes severe beatings because they were not good enough to meet the standards God set for children. Spare the rod and spoil the child is an oft-repeated comment, and sadder yet, the buck gets passed on to their children and the generational trauma resonates through the gene line like a ringing bell. As a therapist, I have personally worked with no less than 50 patients who suffered from the trauma of sexual assault from Sunday school teachers and Catholic school teachers and clergy, and I am but one therapist. Many therapists I know and work with tell the same sad story. There is a reason that it is said that the devil's favorite place to hide is in the church. Hi, everybody. I sure hope you're enjoying the podcast. As a therapist that is constantly teaching people about nutrition and hydration, I found that the only people that really understand and use electrolytes in general are endurance athletes. But what most people don't know about is the importance of electrolytes for general health, mineral nutrition, improved hydration, blood sugar and insulin regulation, enhanced vitality, and enhanced brain function. 
Though there is a rising awareness of electrolytes and many companies offering them, I can assure you that they are not all created equally, and what that usually comes down to is the quality and the cleanliness of the source materials and how they are combined. Having tested many electrolyte products, I was honestly shocked when I experienced Paleo Valley's essential electrolytes. Why? Because I eat a super high quality diet and back it up with the world's highest quality whole food supplements to guarantee a full spectrum of nutrition, and I'm a lover of high quality salts, so I thought for sure I was getting enough electrolytes. When I tested other electrolyte products, I honestly felt no difference. When Paleo Valley sent me their essential electrolytes to test, I was honestly shocked at how much more energy I had. I even experienced an improved level of mental clarity that I didn't expect from an electrolyte drink of all things. Paleo Valley's essential electrolytes are available in orange, watermelon, and lemon-lime flavors and is a whole food sourced electrolyte blend. Get the complete benefits of trace minerals and electrolytes found in unprocessed ancient sea salt, organic coconut water, and seaweed extract without the refined sugar and synthetic ingredients in most electrolyte drinks. Though Paleo Valley's essential electrolytes are good for children and adults, I feel this product may be one of the most important dietary additions for anyone age 50 and beyond because the benefits that essential electrolytes offers addresses many of the problems common in aging people today. In fact, I've been adding them to my daily health and performance shake since the day I first tried them and will continue to do so. To get your essential electrolytes and save 15% on your order, go to paleovalley.com forward slash check 15. That's P-A-L-E-O valley.com forward slash C-H-E-K 15. If we want to make the world a better place, we've all got to stay healthy and fit and support companies like Paleo Valley because they're a perfect example of the kinds of companies we'd need more of in the world today. Enjoy Essential Electrolytes. Revisiting why God allows Lucifer, Aramon, and the devil to exist in the world. Gary Lamb, in his previously cited book on Steiner's comments on technology, rightly states on page 286, As we become more aware of the challenges that Lucifer and Aramon place before humanity, we should not simply avoid them. That would only ensure their success. Human beings can achieve individual freedom only if they have the potential to think incorrect thoughts and make errors. In Steiner's September 24, 1916 lecture titled, Inner Impulses of Evolution, he offers one of the many examples offered throughout his lectures, suggesting that succumbing to the belief that prosperity is equivalent to the good leads to problems for human beings. We must endeavor to understand how real and concrete forces work in human existence and what is at work beneath and above the conscious of the soul in the culture of the fifth post-Atlantean epoch, which is now. If you recognize this leitmotif, you'll be able to understand many things. Only you must not give away to the delusion that everything luciferic and everything aramonic must for these reasons be avoided. That would be the very way to succumb to these forces. Everyone who lives together with humanity must realize that Lucifer and Aramon have been granted their places in the world. If errors could not take place, the human being would never reach freedom. Freedom could never come to the man if he were incapable of forming the erroneous conception that prosperity and the good are identical. He would then have no opportunity for rising above this error. 
As I often tell my students in relevant lectures at the Czech Institute, if it was not for Lucifer, Eremon, and their demonic minions, human beings would be no different than trains on a track. They could not turn and change directions, make choices at will. As you are surely aware at this point in the podcast, we need look no further to see the progressive incarnation of Eremon than the global elite's plan as disseminated through the influences of the DARPA, World Economic Forum, World Health Organization, Bill Gates, Microsoft, Google, Facebook, the CDC, etc. Their ultimate plan being to control human beings in every way possible, from what they do, how they use their money, what they eat and drink or don't, where and when they can go and can't go, what medicines and vaccinations they must have and will be given without consent via nanotechnology placed within their bodies, and even what thoughts they're allowed to think. Just this morning in the Children's Health Defense Newsletter, which I highly recommend everyone subscribe to, and that we all support RFK's run for president. They featured an article informing us that big tech companies have now successfully developed AI systems capable of reading the people's thoughts. Speaking in metaphor or allegory, in many books, it is said that the angels revere human beings because of the challenges and pains of being caught between good and evil, light and dark, the spiritual and the material realms. The angels being less polarized do not have to deal with the myriad challenges human beings do, and seldom are they confused as to who their loyalty belongs. With all that we have covered in our exploration of God, Lucifer, Christ, Eremon, and the evil beings, and why they are essential to human evolution, I would like to bring the podcast to a close with many of my tips for effective managing the forces of Lucifer, Eremon, and Satan, or the devils among us with the aid of the centering principle offered by Christ's consciousness. Trinity Consciousness and Navigating the World Today We have now explored the nature and context of three primary influences on the human soul and its evolution, which of course is evolution of the individual. All families, societies, and cultures are composed of individuals. As I have shared previously, Steiner encouraged humanity to evolve past duality consciousness into Trinitarian consciousness, while Lucifer, the light bringer, represents the light, and Eremon, the dark aspects of human consciousness, it is Steiner's conception of the Christ being, the pivot of the Tao, Buddha heart, Ibrahim Karim's Zeron, or the heart-centered devotion, Bhakti Yoga, that gives us a third, centering element of consciousness needed for Trinitarian thinking, believing, and acting in the world. Let's explore Trinitarian thinking as a means of bringing all that we have covered into a functional synthesis. Managing the Spirits of Evil Within Our Lives In his book Magic, page 28 and 29, Manly P. Hall gives this sound advice regarding how to manage the forces and spirits of evil. When light comes, the shadow goes. Where the sword of enlightened spirit strikes, the hosts of darkness and negation are dissolved, but remove the light for only a second and they return as powerful as before. The powers of darkness work alike through the thoughtless and silly, the arrogant and self-righteous, and many of our most earnest truth-seekers are unconscious channels for the forces of evil, since in moments of weakness they allow the beast to attain mastery over them and through them to attack the world. Learn to discriminate between light and darkness in the world you live in, and watch your heart night and day 
that there may issue from it nothing that can be used as a weapon for the destruction of light. Do not worry over your past misdeeds, for worry itself breeds demons, but eliminate them from your aura, planting instead good seeds with constructive labors. Feel your own responsibility in this problem, for the realization of responsibility is good for the soul. Demonstrate this acceptance of responsibility to the higher powers of the cosmos, for when your light shines out, the spirits of evil must slink into the corners and cover their faces with the shadow of their cloaks. To understand the complex issue of the luciferic and aramonic beings that are inherent within and around human beings, it is important, as I have shared, to realize that they are intrinsic to and aspects of the creative forces of the cosmos that are also invested in the creation of the human soul. Just as we souls perceive the cosmos to be out there, and we experience our sentience of it in here, the creative forces and intelligences of Lucifer and Aramon are both out there as cosmic forces and in here as modes of experience that ultimately lead to the soul's capacity to make choices, act accordingly, and experience both process and outcome. Said another way, Lucifer, Aramon, yes, and even the devil are essential to a human being's capacity for free will. This is a very important understanding to take to heart, for as most of you are aware, it is a very common tendency for human beings, particularly those with religious programming, to project the darker qualities attributed to Lucifer, Aramon, and the devil out there. Only spiritual adults come to take ownership of the fact that the very same devil out there also lives in here within us. And for reasons that may be clear now, but will become clearer as we go, we could not be human beings otherwise. A note on projection. Just so you are all clear on what projection means in psychology, I will convey an example in paraphrase given by Robert A. Johnson in his excellent book titled Owning Your Own Shadow. A man gets up late. He is worried he won't make it to work on time. He rushes into the kitchen to find that his wife isn't finished making breakfast yet and gets angry at her. He knows that expressing his anger at her will result in her probably not making breakfast for him, so he walks around the table and kicks his dog. This is projection. Instead of owning his failure to meet his own responsibility to be up on time to prepare for work, he converts his own anger into anger at his wife, as though it is her fault that he will be late. Thus, his first projection is on to his wife. Then, aware that he cannot fully dump his anger on her without being later yet, he further alleviates his anger by kicking the dog. The dog is the ultimate scapegoat that must now take the pain of the anger that he refuses to accept responsibility for. Projection is a very common process, a childish one, that is, a shadow tendency alive in all of us until we mature into spiritual adults and accept the powers of the creative forces within us. To the degree that we deny ourselves as the creative agent of our own judgments, misgivings, greediness, mischievousness, jealousy, anger, etc., we tend to project it onto other people, places, and things. Throwing temper tantrums, punching walls, kicking cars, throwing wrenches in golf clubs, pretending to hate people of other sexual orientation than our own and attacking them, all while having engaged or fantasized of such sexual exploits of our own, is projection. 
Projection is a very common negative expression of luciferic, aramonic, and demonic beings and tendencies within us, and is probably the biggest cause of divorces, losses of jobs, damaged relationships, and injuries to ourselves and others. Shadow work is essential if we are to identify and heal our tendencies to project, but the dark forces are very good at convincing us that it's not us, it's the other people that need to do shadow work. Soul, being the consciousness within any sentient being, and entelechy, guiding intelligence, cannot be considered an absence of spirit, the flow of energy and information. While the soul represents consciousness within oneself, it is the soul within each of us that is having the experience of being a unique self in all that we do. It is spirit that we, our soul, are conscious of. To help make the spirit-soul relationship clearer, here are a couple of examples. When you are aware of your own thoughts and the emotions, gestures, and postures that result, the thoughts are flows of spirit. It is the soul's perception and experience of these thoughts that results in the emotions, gestures, postures, and related responses. Whenever there is energy and information moving, be that in the cosmos, your environment, or within your own body, it is spirit that is the creative force. Wherever there is a sentient soul having an experience because of what spirit is providing or creating, it is the abiding or witnessing consciousness of the soul that allows you to perceive that you are having an experience. Just as you typically cannot have a magnet with only one pole, you cannot have a soul without spirit, and without soul, spirit would have no vehicle of experience or body to animate. Next, imagine a shaman's drum. The drum and the skin are the soul of the drum. When you hold the drum in your hand and play it with a drumstick, it is spirit that moves the stick, chooses the beat or rhythm. Without the soul, there would be no means of capturing the frequency created by spirit, just as if the soul lacked spirit, there would be nothing for the soul to be conscious of. One of the most important aspects of Lucifer and Aramon as creative intelligences is that they ultimately flow into us from the angelic beings that create us. It is they that live and act through us. When we look at the night sky or see images of the cosmos taken by the Hubble telescope or James Webb telescope, we see that everything in the cosmos is spinning. When we go all the way down to the atom, atomic physics shows us that an atom isn't solid, like a little billiard ball, but it's ultimately light spinning around an invisible center, creating a probability cloud. Considering that matter is spirit moving slowly enough that we can interact with it, we can return to the concept of the pivot of the Tao, the Xeron, or the invisible center that exists in any circular motion, and there we find the centering quality of the Christ principle. While Lucifer's energy is yang, centrifugal, and wants to take us up and out of the world, and Aramon's energy is centripetal and wants to press us down into the earth, by orienting our consciousness to the center, the balancing point, we can hold the tensions of the opposites while we orient ourselves to our heart and allow ourselves to be guided from there. This is a very real practice that can't be effectively done as an intellectual process, but must be engaged honestly or we keep spinning illusions with Lucifer and telling ourselves lives, giving more life to Aramon. Though Steiner does state that Lucifer was previously embodied in the Orient prior to the period attributed to Jesus' life on earth, 
and that Eremon will be embodied on earth in the early third millennium, he also informs us that they primarily act through us for their aims. It is this acting through us that we must become conscious of, or we will never be capable of aligning ourselves with Christ consciousness, also Buddha consciousness or Tao consciousness, which is the means by which we can choose to control the Luciferic and Eremonic impulses. Steiner, in his lecture titled, The Mystery of Death, Spiritual Science as an Attitude, the Etheric Body as a Reflection of the Universe, June 13, 1915, Eberfield, he speaks about Christ as the mediating force between Lucifer and Eremon and shares. There we have touched a tremendous secret of our earthly development, the secret of the relation of the Christ impulse to the impulse of Lucifer and Eremon. This relation of the Christ impulse to the impulses of Lucifer and Eremon can be understood by humankind more and more in the next future. Lucifer and Eremon's forces prevail in the world, and the human being must become, with the help of Christ's consciousness, like a being who sits in a boat which is always being exposed to the storms of Lucifer and Eremon. The boat has to roll from side to side. However, it finds its way through the sea whose living substance consists of Lucifer and Eremon, through which, however, the human being steers his Christ boat. It is essential for all of us to realize that as long as our intention is based on genuine love for ourselves and what is best for all, then the Christ consciousness within us responds as the guiding influence. If, however, we draw on our soul's guidance, our inner consciousness, for the purposes other than love, such as the manipulation of or control of others, then the luciferic, harmonic, demonic, or shadow aspects within the soul will respond. How we perceive the forces and events active in the world and respond to them not only determines how stressed we become in the face of challenges, but it influences everyone we share relationships with. That is, naturally, a more significant truth for those of us that are parents. Steiner, speaking of disharmony in the soul in his book titled The Incarnation of Eremon, page 21, states, And much of the great discord felt by modern humanity is caused by the disharmony between what the soul experiences and what waking consciousness acknowledges as its view of the world. This is one of the most common challenges I see as a therapist, and it stems from a few key issues. When we are children, we are naturally oriented toward the outer world, the immediate and local environment of our home, family, progressive indoctrination, education, and social environment. In each incarnation, the soul, which holds the memory of all past life experiences, chooses, with the support of more advanced souls, a new set of family circumstances in the time and place that are ideal for its further development. The soul must adopt a new ego persona to interface with its new environment, or it cannot grow in relationship to the persons, places, events, and things of its time. The result of progressive ego formation and outward orientation of one's mental perceptions in relative absence of guidance for engaging one's inner feeling life, which is common, results in a progressive disconnection from one's soul, consciousness within. As any soul becomes entangled with its outer circumstances, often being coerced by parents and educators to engage studies and activities that are not in harmony with its talents, gifts, and the mission the soul came to engage, a growing inner tension develops. 
this growing inner tension or psychic pressure builds, often leading to an adaptive neurosis as a means of dissipating the chaotic psychic energy within the individual. The psychic but often unconscious stress of sensing that the soul is going in the wrong direction relative to what it came to create, experience, learn, and share creates a lot of tension. This can manifest in many ways within a child or individual at any age when there isn't a means of engaging the soul for strength, courage, and guidance, which, for most, comes by way of their instincts, intuitions, and dreams until they become fortunate enough to find a skilled spiritual teacher or guide that can teach them to engage their soul for guidance and reconciliation. Some common ways an adaptive neurosis expresses itself in children are phobias, illnesses, fears that lead to fixations, such as the constant need for distractions like social media or video games or unusual eating patterns, addictions, disturbed sleep and challenging dreams, temperamental behavior and emotional outbursts that appear out of context within a given situation, diseases, learning disorders, ADD and ADHD, introversion, and withdrawal from the family and social relationships it normally should be engaging in. Feeling pressured to be accepted and feel loved if the child or individual doesn't do well at what parents or educators convince the child or the individual that it must do. This can lead to a soul spending a lot of time pursuing education, tasks, and investments of time and energy into activities that are actually countercurrent to the soul's own inner compass. Paradoxically, the better the child or individual does in such situation in which it gains validation, approval, or a sense of being loved and valued, the greater the sense of vacancy the individual feels within themselves. This often begins to manifest as anxiety and grows into panic and panic attacks and ultimately depression. If it reaches an extreme, suicide is likely. For children, young adults, and adults that have this profile, the events of the world, the need to generate an income, family and social strife, and other such challenges, the result is a progressive buildup of psychic energy. Without an inner connection and practice of being with and centering in one's consciousness within themselves, most importantly within one's heart space, the ego seeks logical or rational solutions outside itself, which usually just results in some form of diagnosis and prescription, further distancing the individual from finding solutions within themselves, their soul. In adults, and today, as early as age 18, the common result is a midlife crisis. Those that feel I'm describing the circumstances of their life and would like to find some direction and a path to healing and resolution will be well served to study the following books and audible books by Jungian professor James Hollis. Through the Dark Wood, Finding Meaning in the Second Half of Life. Living Between Worlds, Finding Personal Resilience in Changing Times. Finding Meaning in the Second Half of Life. All of which are excellent resources for anybody in the circumstances I've just described. Religion. Unlike those living in the East, those born and raised in the West are most likely to be indoctrinated into Christianity, Judaism, or Islam. While Eastern religions do not deify a controlling father in the sky, they direct one to an inner spiritual relationship and teach the nature and importance of mental self-management, meditation, and a variety of inner arts. The Western religions are based largely on memorization of God's rules, commandments, and dictates, 
without offering much of a way in the order of personal development, interrelationship, and an intimate connection between themselves and God. Fear God is a common dictum, and relating to a God that will punish you, burn you in hell, etc., only leads to a charged ideological mental relationship with that God. These, among many other reasons, point to why Buddhists do not use the word God in their scriptures. Eastern religions develop a relationship with deities that inspire and support access through inner devotion and meditation. They also illuminate a pantheon of evil beings or demons and show that most such demons are aspects of one's mind that can be understood and managed with conscious intention. Many in Western religions engage their God by becoming good boys and good girls, conformists, but have little or no means or guidance for developing a personal relationship with the God that created their very soul. The result is often an ideological relationship with God that leaves the heart vacant of a kind of direct connection that leads to numinous spiritual experiences and personal revelation. While Eastern religions inspire people to become adults and manage their spiritual relationships with the forces and polarities of consciousness within themselves, Western religions tend to keep people in the place of a child, perpetually looking to a father figure in the sky or in the church or temple. This can and often does retard both the individuation process and psychic growth and development, an issue which Carl Jung addressed thoroughly in his writings and teachings. We got clear evidence of this fact during COVID when a significant percentage of Christian pastors and clergy all the way up to the Vatican sent their church members off to be vaccinated in the name of Jesus and God, and sadly many of them are badly injured or dead now. Therefore, the tensions within the soul of those in the Eastern traditions are alleviated through inner orientation and connection with one or a combination of the many deities of healing, strength, and wisdom, such as Manjushri, the deity of discernment, and Tara, known as the mother of liberation. Those practicing Hinduism, for example, range in beliefs. Some state that there is only one God, and some say there are 33, and some 240 million, and some more. Now, since by definition God means that for which there is no other, naturally there can only be one God, but What the pantheon of gods represent are different ways in which the one God manifests within the psyche of individuals to help them in very specific ways. The first principle of the mystics of Islam, the Sufis, who have for a very long time been tortured and killed by Islamic fundamentalists, is that there is no God but God. I worship everything and everyone. They are quite hip to the polarities that exist within God and therefore consciousness and attune their compass to love in the same way that Steiner and other Christian mystics orient themselves to Christ. Lacking such support, it is common that more orthodox or literal practitioners of Western religious dogma continue to experience mounting psychic tension within themselves. To share such issues as gay or lesbian desires, sins of adultery, or other such confessions with church counselors and leaders often leads to judgment and embellishment with guilt and shame. I know this to be a fact because many have been my patients over the years of my career. While sinners are generally only given prescriptions to alleviate this stress, there are, for the fortunate few who find them, 
wise Christians that have transcended dogma and both counsel and heal with love, understanding, forgiveness, and reorientation to God's love. Fortunately, Eastern spiritual practices are now infusing the Western religions in their own progressive ways, and paradoxically, the right blend of Lucifer's light and capacity to dissolve the cold intellect of Ahriman's influences points more directly to the experience of the Christ being and less so to legislation, commandments, and dogmas. As we all know, for as long as any of us or our forebears have been alive, there have always been personal, family, local, social, national, and international conflicts. There have also been events such as the destruction of Atlantis and the Great Flood, as described by Steiner and others. We have also had two previous world wars. Surely anyone alive during either of those past world wars would have been concerned that the world, at least as they knew it, was coming to an end. If you understand what Steiner is informing us of regarding Ehrman's presence, we shall see a trend. Ehrman's progressive incarnation started with the Renaissance and most definitely the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. Now, we see Ehrman's incarnation growing stronger and stronger as evidenced by the mounting dangers of machine technology, nanotechnology and vaccinations, farming, foods and other applications such as AI. We also see attempts by the global elites to create an electronic digital jail in which they have total control over every aspect not only of our lives, but the whole of nature. Then, we see how Lucifer is working hand-in-hand with Aramon through the use of drugs. The Biden administration started making crack cocaine and needles available to junkies in various U.S. cities, stating that it was safer to supply them than having them mug and steal from people or spread diseases with dirty needles. The fact that any government administration is willing to spend taxpayers' money on medicating a problem of such major proportions, instead of addressing the problem at its roots, as is so often the case when Lucifer and Ehrman's influences are present, is a clear indication of Lucifer's attempts to dislodge people from the world and Ehrman's lies, cold intellect, and manipulation. We are also seeing the third wave of the psychedelic revival. There are many potentially positive outcomes from the progressive legalization and easy access to marijuana, mushrooms, and psilocybin from laboratories, MDMA, and related drugs. Yet these so-called advances also create as many problems as they do benefits. Why? Because those that fall prey to Lucifer's attempts to extract them from this world, or Aramon's traps of automation and enslavement in a godless, soulless, robotic existence, commonly suffer from a lack of support in their own individuation and healing process, and generally have poor mental-emotional self-management skills. Naturally, as a therapist and life coach, I come across these issues and challenges they create on a daily basis. Having carefully studied what is missing in the lives of people that are challenged to live in ways that anyone would want their children to emulate, I identified the key elements that are essential to cultivating well-being. There is no possible way anyone can experience well-being nor be creative and productive in their life if they are under a spell by Lucifer, Aramon, the evil spirits they employ, or the demons we create out of our own lack of moral discernment. Hello to all of you. Thank you for joining me on my podcast and contributing to making the world a better place each day. I'm so excited to have you on this amazing journey with me. I wanted to share one of my strategies for being strong, healthy, mentally sharp, and productive each day. 
My family and I love Organifi's sunrise to sunset combination, and it's never hard to get our kids to enjoy these healthy products, and guests at our rainbow workshops absolutely love them too. The Sunrise to Sunset Kit helps transform your entire day in three simple steps. A detoxifying morning reset, an afternoon energy boost, and a nighttime relaxation tea, all packed with superfoods your body will love. The kit comes with a built-in bundle savings, and for a limited time, it also comes with a 30-day supply of pure and effective natural brain-boosting blend, absolutely free. Your Sunrise to Sunset kit includes green juice. Reset your body in the morning with 11 detoxifying superfoods, including ashwagandha, an excellent herb that helps your body handle stress better. You'll love the delicious taste and your body will love the rush of exotic organic micronutrients. Green juice promotes balanced cortisol levels and helps manage stress levels. It's perfect for weight management and it helps detox your body of harmful toxins and we all know how important that is today. Organifi Red Juice is a caffeine-free energy boost provided by nature's five best antioxidant-rich berries plus four powerful adaptogens, including cordyceps and rhodiola, to promote natural and sustained stamina and endurance. Red Juice offers natural energy boost without caffeine, a high concentration of antioxidants to protect against free radical damage and inflammation, and a low-sugar sweet berry taste. Gold juice can be taken hot or cold in the evening, and gold juice eases your body into a calm, relaxed state with nine soothing superfoods and adaptogens like reishi mushrooms, turmeric, and ginger, all in a delicious nighttime tea. Get the rest and sleep that you need. Gold Juice offers incredible taste and aroma, promotes recovery while you rest, and is naturally calming with zero negative side effects. Plus, you get the travel packs of Pure included for a limited time with your Sunrise to Sunset kit. Clear your mind with this brain-boosting blend. Pure is made with natural compounds that help repair, protect, and feed your brain cells while addressing the gut-brain axis. Organifi Pure supports improved digestion, plus focus and clarity. Organifi Pure stimulates brain-derived neurotropic factor to help build new neural networks and keep your brain young. It supports learning, memory, and enhances cognitive function. Get your Sunrise to Sunset kit and your bonus pack of Organifi Pure by going to Organifi.com, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash C-H-E-K-20. And on checkout, get 20% off with your Living 4D discount code CHECK20, all caps, that's capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 20. Enjoy. Alignment with the Christ being or Christ principle to balance the forces of Lucifer and Erebon. Tarot is a system of archetypes that are active within the psyche of man. Though there has been a long-running debate regarding the origins of tarot, in the excellent five-volume series titled The Raw Material, The Law of One by Don Elkins, Carla Rukert, James Allen McCarty, Etc. All in Volume Four, Ra describes the tarot to be of ancient Egyptian and Sumerian origin. Ra informs us that the tarot archetypes were used to train Egyptian priests the nature of the mind and how it functions. A comprehensive explanation of the tarot archetypes, called Major Arcana, is far too vast to share here. 
What is important, and I encourage each of you to study this, in regard to the effective use of the Christ principle to balance the negative influences of Lucifer and Eremon is an understanding of the tarot archetypes number one, the magician, and tarot number seven, the chariot. In the excellent book titled The Spiritual Roots of the Tarot, the Cather Code Hidden in the Cards, Russell A. Sturgis gives us an additional mythical perspective on the magician that I feel not only has real validity, but it's also found in various forms among some of the esoteric teachings of antiquity. In contrast to the oft-held myth that Lucifer is a fallen angel that is angry at God and out to inflict evil on humanity and the world in retribution, Sturgis suggests something much more realistic and likely in my opinion. The tarot archetypes, beginning with the number one, the magician, and concluding with number 21, the world, depict the hero's journey to authentic self-realization and enlightenment. And we are each that hero. As this more likely myth depicts, God, unconditional love, had no way to self-reflect, no way to come to know itself. That which is unconditional cannot know or experience anything, for to do so requires conditions. For example, a mirror is unconditionally accepting of whatever is before it and always reflects the conditions present in the light exactly as received, but exemplify God's predicament for which Lucifer was created by God to rectify. Imagine that God is a perfectly polished mirror, representing unconditional acceptance of what is. Next, imagine that you placed another perfectly polished mirror before it, and then asked the first mirror, God, to tell you what is seen in the mirror of itself. Naturally, the answer would be nothing. Emptiness, no thing, can only reflect emptiness. Therefore, as the myth goes, God, who created Lucifer, the magician, asked Lucifer to be in charge of creating a means of self-reflection by which God can come to know and experience itself. Lucifer, God's beloved angel, applied himself to the task with the perfection only an angel could offer. The means and the result of Lucifer's handiwork is expressed in the 21 major arcana, archetypes of the tarot, which begins with the magician, representing Lucifer himself. Tarot number one, the magician, also known to be Hermes and Thoth, in the Rider Waite deck shows a magician standing before a table upon which are four symbolic items. These items are tools of significance to creating the magic of the matrix of self-reflection through which God comes to know and experiences itself in potentially infinite ways. Remember, God cannot die, and for God to know and experience itself, both the light and the dark aspects essential to the creation of conscious awareness must be equally explored. But before we explore four items on the magician's table, which are symbols, let's look at the magician himself, Lucifer. Above his head is an infinity symbol, representing the fact that the energy, power, information, and processing speed of God is indeed infinite. There is nothing that Lucifer cannot create as an expression of the divine itself. The magician's belt is the Ouroboros, the snake that eats its own tail. This ancient symbol depicts the fact that God only has God to sustain itself, that God can only consume what God creates. The magician's right hand holds a double-ended wand, each for both magic and healing. His right arm is held upward, representing that which is above, or the realm of spirit. His left arm hangs downward, and his index finger is pointing to the earth, representing below, 
Thus, the magician is informing us of the ancient alchemical dictum, as above, so below, and as below, so above. This means that whatever is in our minds is mirrored in the tangible realities of our life. We are each the magician and all the characters in the tarot archetypes. The magician has flowers and plants above him, and there are flowers and plants growing on the ground before him, symbolizing life, growth, and beauty. We use our minds to engage and create life, growth, and beauty when heart-centered. The magician's table. The table symbolizes a place of work, action, or transformation. A table has four legs, each representing one of the four elements of creation. Only half the table can be seen in the image, and only two legs. This informs us that we cannot see the spirit realm directly, which includes the divine fire, the first element of creation, and the air element, which represents mind. Recall from earlier in our exploration that Steiner informed us that Lucifer is expressed through the elements of fire and air. But what can we see is the other half of the table, representing the two visible legs that symbolize the more tangible elements of water and earth, and the magician's four key tools that create God's matrix of self-reflection. The four items on the table are symbols representing their respective elements. The wand. The wand represents the fire element, or the divine impulse to create, and the power to initiate manifestation. The fire element is about the element of transformation. Fire, for example, can be used to transmute one element into another. If you heat rocks enough, they go from the earth element to the water, liquid element. The degree of fire determines the temperature at work. Ice, earth element, solid, warms to become the water element. Keep heating it up and it becomes air or atmosphere. And with enough heat, it will reach the plasma state. Additionally, all wands depicted in the tarot archetype symbolize the accumulation of wisdom. Ultimately, the deeper our understanding of divine fire, the more we understand how it manifests in all aspects of life and within ourselves. Someone who is wise knows how to engage and use fire and their fire to produce more love, wisdom, and harmony in the world. Within Lucifer's matrix, fire represents power in all its potential and manifest forms. The sword. The sword represents the air element, which symbolizes the frequency of mind and thought, which, second only to dreaming, are the most powerful creative agencies we are endowed with. The sword is a symbol for mind because the mind is a cutting mechanism. In order to comprehend anything, it must first be cut out from the whole. You can't define anything that isn't circumscribed. This is why, for example, all words used to describe God can only talk about God, but never reveal the essence, the ultimate truth of God. The word about means around, just like a roundabout seen at road junctions throughout Europe. This fact should stand as a warning to everyone fixated on a scriptural description of what God wants, needs, or demands. For nobody can know what God wants, needs, nor demands without first becoming God, and in doing so, one enters the zero state of unconditional love. In that state, there can be no duality, no mind, and therefore, there can be no subject-object duality. To know what God wants, one would have to engage God with their own perceiving subject, mode of perception, and that immediately puts God in the position of being an object. God is not an object, and certainly not an object that can be circumscribed in totality, and therefore, can never be perceived, identified, or known. 
Certainly, we can experience God, but those of us that have had an experience of mystical union with God can assure you, it is impossible to use words to define such an experience. This is alluded to by Lao Tzu when he says, the Tao that can be spoken is not the eternal Tao. The most common words used to express what an experience of union with God feels like is unconditional love. Lucifer's lure with the air element, sword, or use of mind, symbolizes the need for attention, fame, or external gratification. It should be remembered that one of the original meanings of the word sin is to shine, to shine or flash like a fishing lure, and we know what happens to the fish that is unconscious of what the lure leads to. Lucifer is very alluring. Lucifer also loves to create illusions, for that is the very nature of how magic works. On that note, one need only study the research on the placebo and nocebo effects, which are based on the illusion that one is getting a medicine or surgery to help them heal, placebo, or the illusion that there is something wrong with the individual, nocebo. Few drugs today can outperform a placebo drug. Many cases are documented where the patient, given the wrong diagnosis, believes it and manifests the disease, often within a short time span. What is even more interesting is that current researchers have found that even when the test subject knows that they are taking a placebo drug, it works just as effectively. As stated by Greg Reese, it is easier to fool people than it is to convince them that they've been fooled, a fact that current placebo research and the COVID pandemic verifies undeniably, and that Lucifer, Ermon, and their evil minions know all too well. The cup. The cup on the magician's table symbolizes the water element, which correlates to our feelings, emotions, and how we perceive, give, and receive love. The water element is the primary means of creating connection within our body-mind construct. Research on behavioral change shows clearly that our emotions are more powerful than our mind. If a person's mind is convinced they need to do or change something, but their emotions are not in harmony with the mental dictum, it rarely happens. Water is the basis of our blood, and blood carries the emotional truth of our heart to every cell in our body. The magician's magic relates to love, and the magician's cup or chalice is where he mixes up his concatenations, active within us through our water element. The coin. The coin symbolizes the earth element, solidity, that which is in form, bodies, homes, buildings, currency, commerce, and represents what we embody with our choices. The magician's magic here relates first and foremost to the powers and uses of money, and second to the possessions of persons, places, and things. How we get caught in the magician's matrix. Lucifer, bringer of the light, representing energy and information, as discussed earlier, enters the soul through the fire and water elements. Fire represents both the desire of God and the desire to experience itself, and air represents mind in totality and the flow of energy and information within and between any mind or minds. Araman, who enters the soul of man via the water and earth elements, is responsible for the crystallization or hardening of Lucifer's ideas into form. Therefore, we must be conscious of the human tendency to project Lucifer and Araman and the various demons outward onto the world and other people, while tricking ourselves into believing that these beings and qualities are not within us.
We are each the magician and as such have a very strong tendency to trick ourselves while denying that we are doing so. As long as we keep casting spells upon ourselves, it is very hard for the Christ principle to be active within us, for we must be conscious of when and how to apply the Christ principle. You can't bring balance to what you are unconscious of. Please keep in mind that all the specific qualities of both Lucifer and Ahriman as we explore just how it is that Lucifer and his adversarial partner guarantee that God and you are assured self-reflection within the divine matrix. We see that each of the tools on the magician's table have a direct correlation to how Lucifer and Ahriman trick humanity as agents of divine experience, such as that both experience and self-reflection are guaranteed. Fire equals power. Whenever we use power in ways that do not reflect the Christ or Tao principle, we generate karma that traps us. All expressions of power, such as controlling or manipulating nature, life or others that are not based in morality and genuine love, serve to entangle us in the matrix. Air equals fame. To the degree that Lucifer and Ahriman can seduce us into seeking fame, the desire to be special, to draw attention to ourselves in ways that are inauthentic, do not serve our own individuation or all involved, we are further entrenched in the matrix. One need only look at all the problems caused by addiction to social media and the means employed to get attention to see just how effective allure fame is. This is exactly why Osho said, if you want to be a star, you'd better learn to play with fire. And we know that Osho, of all people, knew this truth from personal experience. Remember, one of the meanings of the word sin is to shine. Water equals love. Anytime we use love or illusions of love to get something from others that disable our own agency and responsibility in relationship or deceive another, we have been caught by Lucifer and or Ahriman. To the degree that we engage love in codependent relationships, expecting others to make us feel loved in the absence of our own self-love, we are trapped in the matrix. If one looks at all the people or any of us who uses the word love to accomplish in any way that is not genuine, you will soon see just how effective a trap love is in Lucifer's matrix. Earth equals money and wealth. There is a very good reason why money is considered to be the root of all evil. Whenever money is used in ways that are not congruent with the Christ principle, or is gained by any means that limits freedom or the rights of others, Lucifer, Ahriman, or their evil demons have their hands involved. One need only look at the connections between money and all things evil that we've experienced since the start of COVID for a very close look at the dark power's use of money. Bribes and motivations to make more money at the expense of the well-being of others, and this includes all beings in nature, not just human beings, are expressions of evil. Take a few minutes on your own to meditate on the challenges you've experienced in your own life, where you've been wounded or wounded others. Looking honestly at where we've been caught in illusions or spun illusions helps us differentiate reality from the reality we unconsciously or consciously weave within the context of our own living myth. In this myth of Lucifer as the architect of God's matrix of self-reflection, regardless of how factual it is or isn't, we can quickly come to see how aligned we are with the qualities of Lucifer, Christ, or Ahriman with regard to 
fire, our use of power to create illusions, freedom, or to entangle others for our own divisive means. How often, for example, have we used our power to get others to do what we want them to do without honest respect for their wants, feelings, and needs? Air, seeking attention, fame, or putting efforts into presenting ourselves in ways that feed our need for attention, love, and validation from others. Where are we using the powers of our mind to inflate our persona that expresses our need for self-love, self-respect, and a harmonious relationship with our inner soul self. Additionally, are there ways we have gained external validation at the expense or devaluation of others? Lucifer represents the inflated ego. The ego itself isn't the problem. It's only when we create illusions about ourselves relative to our authentic skills, abilities, achievements, status, rank, power, etc. that Lucifer is acting through us. Truth leaves no room for Lucifer or Ironman's trickery. Water, our relationship with and use of the powers of love. Love is the flow of energy and information through empathic and compassionate connection to self and or other, which includes person, places or things. Where the Christ Adao principle expresses itself by asking, what would love do now, before acting, Lucifer and Ahriman's influences lead to distortions of the truth, the creation of illusions, and the expression of connection to person, places, or things without empathy, feeling the other, or compassion, seeking to understand the other. Where has our expression of love been used to acquire sex, or act with physical, emotional, or mental violence in relationship to self or others? Where have our offerings of love to others come by way of leverage, the creation of conditions that ensure receiving what we want with less concern for the genuine wants, feelings, and needs of others. Though these can be challenging questions to ask consciously, it is because the Christ or Tao or Zyron is ultimately the centering force within our soul that so many end up confronting issues and challenges of love in meditation or with the use of plant medicines. Those who avoid responsibility for what rises up from their unconscious as an expression of themselves commonly use the term bad trip or blame their experience on the drug. But such luciferic or aromanic self-deception never brings us closer to our center. Earth is money. Money is currency. The amount of current in an electrical circuit can be expressed as power. Just as we can use electricity to empower our ability to create with the use of technology in ways that are either creative and holistic or destructive and reductionistic, money itself is neutral. How we engage and use money generally mirrors our relationship with fire, power, air, seeking attention, water, love, and with honest introspection shows us just how much of Lucifer or Ironman's influences are extracting our potential to live in harmony with the Christ principle. In consideration of the higher truth, money is neutral. Like electricity, money does not determine how it is used. Our use of money creates a powerful living mirror. The mirror of money turns out to be very capable of reflecting the truth of our relationship with either Lucifer, Christ, or Araman. 
Would Jesus have closed churches during a pandemic where the elusive virus was no greater risk than the flu virus, based on the accounting of several scientists and immunologists? Would Jesus have accepted bribes from the government to close the doors of churches and temples? On a socio-cultural scale, we need only look at how so-called philanthropists such as Bill Gates, the Rockefellers, the Carnegie Foundation, as well as the WEF, drug and vaccine corporations, lobbyists, politicians and governments use money to create luciferic illusions and tell aromatic lies that maim, entangle and kill at all scales from the soils and waters of our planet to the destruction of natural resources right to human beings. This is more evident in the public's eye than ever before in history, so it shouldn't take much effort to see how the neutrality of money is polarised by human consciousness, greed and unconsciousness. Looking honestly into Lucifer's matrix and how we each play the role of the magician and use the power of the wand, the sword, the chalice and the coin can be very revealing. Certainly there will be people, hearing what I'm sharing here, who will deny any presence of Lucifer, Ahriman or any such evil spirits within themselves. There will be those that deny the power and reality of any such mythical construct. In this case, we should heed Steiner's warning that one of Ahriman's chief aims for achieving his aims on earth is the denial of facts that challenge their own illusion or limit their comfort and justifications for how they use power, fame, love and money. This is exactly why, for example, that he pointed out the dangers of dogmatic interpretation of scripture and the creation of beliefs without any real experience of the Christ principle. Ahriman loves empowering illusions of power or truth through cold intellectual means and justifications, such as the so-called use of science or manipulation of statistics. The Trinitarian thinking that Steiner encourages is depicted in many of the Tarot major arcana archetypes, one obvious example being number 11, Justice. She holds a sword in her right hand, which represents the Sword of Discernment, mirroring the flaming sword of discernment held also in the right hand of Majushri, the Buddhist god of discernment. In her left hand, she holds a balanced beam scale, the right pan here representing Lucifer and the left pan representing Ahriman. The pivot between them represents the Christ or Tao principle. It is important to consider the fact that removal of the pivot or the Christ-Dao principle, immediately extinguishes any capacity to hold the forces of Lucifer and Ahriman in balance. Yet removing the pan on either side of the scale never removes the pivot or the central point from which the forces of creation emerge. Tarot Archetype number 7. The Chariot The Rider-Waite Tarot deck, Tarot 7, The Chariot, shows a man representing both Christ-embodied and you, standing in a classic Greek-style chariot. Before the chariot are two sphinx, one black with white features representing yin, feminine consciousness, and in this case, Aramon, and the other, white with black features representing yang, masculine consciousness, and Lucifer, the light bearer. There are no harnesses between the chariot and the sphinx because they are polarities of consciousness, the Sphinx are not physical entities, therefore the chariot is powered by the forces of consciousness within each person's mind. On the front of the chariot there are two symbols. One, 
a circle with wings representing the soul's capacity to fly within any dimension it chooses. Yet, all dimensions that can be consciously perceived require the function of mind, which itself necessitates a subject-object duality. Thus, the circle, representing soul, has two wings. Two, the ancient symbol of the lingam and yoni, depicting the masculine and feminine forces of consciousness and their capacity to create or manifest, to manifest both life and form. In the scene behind the chariot is a township. The township is across the river, water representing the unconscious within man, the township represents home, society, nation, culture, and specifically what each of us as the charioteer serves to support and protect. His or her people, their rights, place, and home. The charioteer, who represents the embodiment of God within man, which is the Christ principle expressed within each of us, is dressed in battle armor. Being a symbol of the Christ principle within the soul of man, the charioteer's battle armor does not symbolize protection in physical wars. It symbolizes the protection against evil forces of any type that only Christ, Buddha, Tao, or love-oriented consciousness, expressed as morals, can provide. This truth is symbolized mythologically as the challenges with evil Jesus faced in the desert that Buddha faced in his confrontation with Mara, or more recently, Gandhi's confrontation with the British Empire. This battle within each of us is archetypal. It is at the epicenter of the hero's journey. In Jungian psychology, the hero's journey represents the process of individuation, becoming an adult that is both whole as an individual, developing moral character, and realizing the importance of educating, supporting, and protecting the innocent against the torment of dark forces for which they are ill-equipped to confront. In their hero's journey... The hero always needs a mentor, and the mentor is usually endowed with supernatural abilities. In the context of Lucifer, Christ, and Aramon, the Christ being that Steiner speaks of is our mentor. When aligned with the Christ principle, we access the strength, wisdom, and discernment to neutralize the polarities of Lucifer and Aramon within ourselves, allowing genuine free will to emerge. It is only when we are capable of holding our consciousness in the center at the pivot of the Tao, that we can perceive the truth. Alignment with Lucifer or Aramon only affords us the very kinds of half-truths that Steiner warned us about. Additionally, just as polarization to either Lucifer or Aramon produces half-truths, it is only when we reach our center that we have full access to the infinite spiral staircase of higher dimensions and supernatural powers. Being fully aligned with Lucifer takes you away from the power of God inherent within. Being fully aligned with Aramon only gives you dominion over matter. Additionally, it is Sophia or wisdom that safeguards the true supernatural powers of the center which transcend the powers of polarity. It is only through the genuine cultivation of wisdom in life that one can find their center, and by the time anyone has the degree of wisdom essential to centering their consciousness, they are well aware of the illusions of power projected by polarized consciousness, as is the case with both Lucifer and Aramon. It is the wise men and wise women of any tribe, society, or culture that are the emissaries of Sophia, and the most important influence on the education of the uninitiated. In tarot, these wise men and wise women in our lives are expressed as tarot archetype number five, 
the Hierophant. In his right hand, the charioteer holds a scepter or spear, symbolizing the need for focus and discernment. Without discernment and moral character, the forces of consciousness run amok and invite imbalance, evil, or malice. It is the charioteer's ability to apply their focus of mind and heart to achieving their dream, goal, or objective that allows them to avoid the lures of Lucifer and Aramon. Being a chariot without rigging and having one axle and two wheels, the charioteer, like all of us, must remain balanced within his or her chariot or he or she will crash and may be injured. The charioteer symbolizes the need for clarity of consciousness and discernment, as well as the importance of arriving at one's chosen destination, which can be one's dream, goal, or objective, and getting things done in a timely, efficient manner. As we have now explored, the forces of consciousness represented by Lucifer and Aramon are essential to both conscious free will among human beings, represented by the black and white sphinx, and when used with moral intention, serve us. When we fall prey to vices, become immoral or unethical, we invite the satanic evil expressions of Lucifer and Aramon, and ourselves become a devil. The charioteer, him or herself, balanced within the chariot, and balanced between these powerful forces of God consciousness, represents the Christ, as mentioned. Alice Bailey spoke of the soul as the mediator between spirit and matter, and the expression of an important soul quality. She states, God himself produced the pairs of opposites, spirit and manner, and also produced the middle way, which is that of the conscious aspect, or the soul aspect. Here we can replace spirit with Lucifer, and matter with Aramon. The middle way, which is the soul expressed via the Christ principle, or our capacity to become conscious of how we can balance these dualistic forces by evoking the Trinity. Christ becomes the pivot of the Tao, the middle way, the realization that not too much and not too little allows us to balance the powers of creation and destruction, giving and taking, consumption and regeneration, drugs that help versus drugs that debilitate and cause distraction and destruction, etc. I share this archetypal expression of the forces of consciousness within man because it is up to each of us to, one, have a clear sense of direction in our lives a destination for our chariot. Two, arm ourselves with loving connection to God, our soul, or Christ consciousness, the balancing force of unconditional love within us so that we have the capability of discernment in relationship to self, others, or the world. And three, to be aware of the importance, as Steiner suggested, of Trinitarian consciousness as superior to binary duality consciousness commonly represented as two-valued logic, right, wrong, yes, no, good, evil, etc. It is wise for all of us to always keep in mind that the highest truth of God or source is unconditional love or pure potential, and that it is we, with the powers of our personal and collective heart-mind, that determine, consciously or unconsciously, how we will use the infinite power of source to create in our lives. To grow up spiritually means to take responsibility for the power of God consciousness within you and to align yourself with the Christ principle, the Tao, Buddha heart, Zeron, or the chosen principle that balances the complementary opposites here represented as Lucifer and Aramon. Indeed, this is the devotional path and the Dharma of Bhakti Yoga or union through love. 
The world and our lives are living mirrors of the divine, and it is we who choose what manifest in the mirror of I, we, and all. There is no escaping that reality, not now, not in the past, and never in the future. To help everybody I could help and can help, I developed a simple one, two, three, four approach to creating, living our dreams, and cultivating well-being. This very approach is, in my opinion, about the only way to consciously manage the forces of Lucifer and Aramon inherent in the souls of human beings and cannot be done without the application of the Christ Principle. The Christ Principle is essential to holding the tension of the opposites created by Lucifer and Aramon. The one, two, three, four approach to balancing Lucifer and Aramon with the Christ Principle one equals one love. What do I love enough to grow for, to do the work of positive change, and manage myself mentally and emotionally so that I'm living as that person each day instead of waiting for some magic moment to be that person? And what does that sound like? I'll be happy when I have a million dollars, or my new home, or have the body of a god or goddess. But in the meantime, Lucifer and Aramon are very good at keeping people perpetually wanting, 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 often until they get smacked with perpetual anxiety, depression, a relationship crisis, or wake up at 50 to hear the autoplay of poor me looping endlessly in their mind. When we can't find a dream, goal, or objective that we are passionate about to the degree that we commit ourselves to the healing and growth process, we can resort to making our nightmare our chief aim for healthy resolution. One's nightmare represents where they have the most time, energy, money, and or resources tied up. The nightmare is a black hole for anyone's energy and creativity, and once healed, all that energy is liberated into one's well of libido, becoming creative life force energy they can use for anything they choose to do in life. It is wise to remember always that if you're not working towards your own dreams and goals, you can rest assured you are working to support your boss's dream. Why not make your life work an inspiration and levity for all involved? Two represents the two creative forces that create all that exists in the universe, which are yin the feminine and yang the masculine. Yin is a centrifugal force that multiplies power, is anabolic, feminine, and draws energy and resources into itself. This is how stars are born. Yang divides power, is catabolic, spends energy and resources, and is an outward centripetal force. Yang energy is what makes stars shine their light in every direction. Between yin and yang is the pivot of the Tao. Ibrahim Karim's Zeron, the Christ principle or unconditional love, as shared previously, is the pivot of the Tao, or the Christ principle that allows us the ability to hold the tension of the opposites represented by Lucifer and Aramon. Aramon expresses yin. Aramon wants to take everything into himself, to have, own, control, and consume. Aramon is pregnant with the idea of total control and seeks to consume the world and all in it like a black hole. Lucifer wants to get out of the world, inspire you with shiny illusions, visionary insights, and fancy wisdom that feeds the ego's illusions of enlightenment. And like Timothy Leary, wants you to tune in, turn on, and drop out. 
Lucifer will give you all the psychedelics in the world and show you just why you should forgo the responsibilities of caring for yourself, being committed and reliable in relationships, and being an adult contributor to the world. Most human beings jump from Luciferic to Aramonic tendencies and back and forth all day long, and seldom realize that there is a middle way. As Steiner informs us, Lucifer and Aramon are, in and of themselves, not evil, but both offer us modes of resistance that we must have to consciously achieve real freedom. The question is, and is always, how do I find the middle ground between these two? Most of us are not ready for the commitments to unconditional love that Jesus and many other great saints, mystics, and teachers made and died for. But we can live well, love well, individuate, and make adult contributions to the world with a little adherence to the teachings of Lao Tzu, Confucius, or other worth exemplars. Also as an expression of the Christ principle, the Tao, the middle way or path, is achieved by the simple, powerful maxim, not too much, not too little. This applies to most every aspect of our lives, from Lucifer's offerings of psychedelics, ego inflation, wonderful illusions, fantasy, sex, money, or taking time out of the world to rest as needed from time to time. Not too much, not too little applies to Aramon's drive to create solidity, hardness, rigidity, and structure, to the use of technology such as biohacking, phones, computers, machines, cold intellectual thinking, and the use of science. Aramon will give you Viagra so you can be as hard as you want and will also encourage you to lie to your partner or spouse about where your hardness is finding wetness. Aramon will also try and convince you that you need dangerous vaccinations before you've tried sunlight, movement, clean organic foods, and getting to bed on time. Aramon will lock your kids up in the guise of safety, all the while putting phones and video games in your hands to pacify you while he builds a jail cell inside and around you. Three choices. There are only three choices we can make in response to any person, place, or thing. One, the optimal choice. The optimal choice is that which is optimal for not just you, but everyone on your dream team. That's anyone supporting you in the achievement of your dreams, goals, or objectives. Two, the suboptimal choice. The choice that gives you instant gratification, but often creates disconnection to and disrespect for the wants and needs of those on your dream team. And three, do nothing. Do Nothing has three applications, two of which are positive and one of which is luciferic. The positive applications of Do Nothing are, one, when you have an important decision to make, but don't have enough information to be confident that you're making the best choice, you should do nothing until you gather and analyze the needed information. Two, do nothing when you're losing connection at the heart with someone because you disagree with them or you are arguing with them. This is when we call a timeout and inform the other that we need to take a break until we can stay connected at the heart with them because we don't want to damage the relationship. Once we make that statement, we must be brave enough to walk away, to disengage from the conflict. If we can't disengage from the conflict, even when we know we need to, we need only stand the mirror to find the devil. Three, apathy. Apathy means to not care. To not care is always the worst choice for the individual and everyone involved. Apathy's next door neighbor is suicide. And in this way, 
Lucifer invites you out of the world to join him so you too can be an angel like he is. Four equals your four values. Your four doctors are Dr. Happiness, Dr. Movement, Dr. Diet, and Dr. Quiet. Let's take a look at how we can use Trinitarian thinking to engage Lucifer, Christ, and Aramon, and the devils, to make optimal choices within the context of our four doctors. Dr. Happiness. My dream. I have financial freedom. Lucifer's influence in the creation of financial freedom. Create a magic pill, a get-rich-quick scheme, or an illusion that you can sell people. Invest in drugs. They are very profitable. Tell them how beautiful they will be. Sell them something to enhance their sex life. The placebo effect is powerful, you know. Start a cult membership that promises enlightenment quickly. You can do what Osho did and get everyone to give you all their wealth as a prerequisite to getting a gown and a place in your ashram. Tell everyone you are the reincarnation of Jesus and that you've come to save them. All they have to do is give you a 5% tithing on their monthly income and you'll be set for life. Aramon's influence in the creation of financial freedom. Creators sell addictive video games or a social media app. Sell people biohacking devices that make their lives easier and convince them that they will get fit, look good, and lose weight faster but make sure the device needs regular upgrades that they must pay for. Start a charity organization and trick people into believing that they are really helping the poor, the people on the streets, or that certain people matter more than others, and get lots of donations that you ultimately get to keep. Invest in vaccinations. After all, you can convince everyone from pregnant mothers to old people that they will die if they don't buy it from you, and you can even make it illegal not to get it. If you're as smart as Bill Gates, you can even get the government to use taxpayers' monies to make you rich. Start a Ponzi scam. After all, they've been very successful in the past. Start a new currency like Bitcoin or a new digital currency and convince people it will be the only currency the government can't track, so they will invest. Then sell everyone's information and account numbers to the government so they can buy you out and confiscate everyone's money and you'll have a double win. Start a fake or synthetic meat company and convince everybody with fake science and fake statistics that it helps reduce global warming and that the American Heart Association fully backs your amazing foods. If you're smart, you'll hook up with Pfizer and pay them to get you to deliver nanotechnology and get the government to pay you to put nanotechnology in foods that can be used as tracking devices so they can round everybody up and take their gun and golds. Just think of all the money you'll make. Using the Christ principle in the creation of financial freedom. Identify what it is that you truly love to do. Develop mastery at it so you can charge a fair fee for your services and then invest the money in ways that support people and the planet. Identify how much money you need to live well, but not get trapped by focusing on making money at the expense of investing time into yourself and your family and social relationships. Look for investments with companies that are using technology in ways that support nature and are not extracting at a rate faster than nature can regenerate itself. Start a new education system that helps children identify their natural learning style and then support them in exploring with them many options for physical, emotional, mental, 
and physical development so they can find what their soul gravitates towards. Work with video game developers to create a video game that helps children and adults build real-life skills and doesn't trick them into buying junk or addicting them. Start an organic farm and feed people real food. Develop a technology that clears heavy metals and nanotechnology from people's bodies so they can get their health back and charge what is fair for your technology and support. Dr. Movement. Dream. I am fit enough to look good, feel good, and do my work well. Lucifer's influence. You will look better than all your friends. Think how much more sex you'll get when you can wear your G-string again. If you microdose with mushrooms or LSD, you'll feel better while training, get faster gains, and it will be easier to get out of the humdrum of your life. Ehrman's influence. You don't need to do so much work when you can use electrical stimulation, magnetic pulse machines, and just sit there and enjoy your video games. Steroids and biohacking will get you there much faster. After all, that's what technology is for, isn't it? The Christ Principle in achieving the dream to look good, feel good, and do my work well. See your body as your temple, your own inner laboratory, where you can create health, wellness, freedom, and express your love more fully. With strength comes greater freedom and health autonomy. You are setting a good example for others by taking good care of yourself. Be honest with yourself and work hard when you are in the gym and rest hard on your rest days so you can get good results efficiently. Dr. Diet. Dream. I eat clean organic foods in the proportions my body needs and my body is healthy and vital. Lucifer's influence. You shouldn't eat meat. That's not a liberating spiritual path. You don't need to be too strict with yourself. Don't get sucked into all this stuff about gluten intolerance, food intolerance, or spending money on organic foods. Just think of how much better you look and feel than your friends. You already know more about diet than most nutritionists do, so why bother studying more? Aramon's influence. Make sure you follow the diet to the letter, regardless of how you feel. The academic experts are always right. After all, what could you know about diet? It would be faster if you'd just get a tummy tuck and a butt lift, and you may as well get a facelift done too. With the technology we have today, you can be in and out in just a day and look great. You aren't nearly as smart as AI, so why not get some of the new nanotech injected into you and let the AI doctors fine-tune your blood chemistry? There are many biohacking devices that will make it easy. They will just tell you what to do, and you'll feel better faster. Don't bother wasting your money on organic food. Science does a much better job than those old antiquated farming concepts ever did. Christ's influence. Pray for the food you eat and send your love and blessings to all the beings of the planet and animal kingdom that nourish you. Invite them to live with you and help make the world a better place for all living beings. Pay close attention to how your body responds to the foods and drinks you consume most often for they are most likely to be causing immune reactions and inflammation in your body. See caring for your body and managing your diet well as an act of love that your body will appreciate. Dr. Quiet, rest, introspection, and self-reflection. Dream. 
I rest well, recover well, and take time each day for introspection and self-reflection. I enjoy my inner life and choose to seek ways to love myself, others, and life more fully. Lucifer's Influence Yes, taking time out of the world to realize just how special you are is important. But remember, it's not God but me that created the world. You would have more time for yourself if you stopped caring so much about everyone else's needs. Just focus on yourself and let everyone else figure it out for themselves. If you spend more time in meditation with me, you will acquire godlike powers. You will develop abilities that others don't have, and you will finally get the respect you've always wanted. Aramon's influence. You realize that there are now virtual reality headsets that are much more fun and engaging than any form of self-reflection you could ever experience alone within yourself. You'd have more time to yourself if you had a smart home with robotic vacuums and other technologies that free you to do whatever you want. Love yourself? Why? The idea of this self is but an illusion. You are none other than a biological robot that will soon be part of a much bigger movement in which you will no longer need to think for or care for yourself. All that will be done through my advanced technologies of mind, emotion, and body control. I will even make sure your body is healthy at all times, that you have the right drugs and vaccines, and you can focus on the bigger issues of service to globalism. Don't be so self-centered. Christ's Influence It is very good that you are taking time to self-reflect. Only by witnessing the polarities inherent within the mind can you ever find your center. When you practice living from your center you can more easily distinguish what the best expression of your love is in relationship to persons, places, and things. Take time to love yourself and engage your authentic core self is essential because we can't possibly love others nor life any more than we can love ourselves. You can't give what you don't have. Spending time centering your consciousness within your heart orients you towards love. Whenever meditating or honestly reviewing challenges from your day, instead of being caught in guilt or shame, simply ask yourself, what would love do now? The more we orient ourselves to a heart-centered life, the more good, beauty, and truth we see and feel in all people. Let your heart be the compass of your soul and share the unique gifts you came to the world to share. Closing Commentary I think any of you that have made it to this point in the podcast are awake enough to see the influences of Lucifer and Aramon in the world and in our personal and collective lives today. Surely, if we can see these forces at work, we can also see the Christ principle mediating between them as necessary to our capacity for love, free will, and legitimate spiritual growth. I have personally found my studies of Steiner's teachings and the others mentioned here and many more examples of what we are capable of as human beings to be a source of inspiration in my own life. I can easily see and feel the influences of Lucifer and Aramon acting through my own soul, and it has only been through my own awareness and realization through life experience that I have come to embrace the Christ-Tao principle. I have found that those who are anchored in their center are healthier, more vital, more durable people with the capacity for creative thinking and problem-solving. We can either see the forces of evil at play in the world as forces external to us and fight them as enemies, 
or we can engage them individually and collectively with the awareness that they are essential to the evolution of consciousness, the universe, and humanity. It is because these creative forces emanate from the divine ocean of God and are inherent to God's own self-evolution and self-realization that they will never go away. For that which is infinite requires infinite evolution. Once again, Steiner reminds us that Lucifer and Aramon's forces prevail in the world, and the human being must become, with the help of Christ's consciousness, like a being who sits in a boat, which is always exposed to the storms Lucifer and Aramon excite. The boat has to roll from side to side, however, it finds its way through the sea, whose living substance consists of Lucifer and Aramon, through which, however, the human being steers his Christ boat. The mystery of death. Spiritual science as an attitude. The etheric body as a reflection of the universe. 13 June 1915. Elberfield. Because, as Steiner informed us, Lucifer represents the elements of fire and air within the construct of our soul, and Aramon represents the elements of water and earth within our soul, it is ultimately impossible to externalize or divorce ourselves from these influences. The fifth element in alchemy, often called the quintessence, represents the wisdom gained through life experience, but that wisdom cannot be formed without the grace represented by the Christ principle. And because we can be none other than God experiencing itself, our wisdom is God's wisdom, and God's wisdom is most available through the Christ-Tao principle. Knowing that these three modes of consciousness exist within all our souls, then we can rest assured that as long as our intention is based in love and what is best for all, then Christ consciousness within us responds as the guiding influence. If, however, we draw on our soul's guidance for purposes other than love, such as the manipulation or control of others, then the luciferic or aramonic or both aspects of the soul will respond. Karma, put simply, is the responsibility for having to experience the results of what we create as conscious or unconscious co-creators with God. Jung surely knew this well when he warned us all that until you meet the unconscious on the inside, it will continue to create the events of your life on the outside, and you will call it fate. As we move forward, engaging the often scary and challenging events of the world at present, we can all strengthen ourselves by realizing that with great challenges come great opportunities. It is up to each of us to align with the Christ principle so that from the middle we can see and have spiritual strength and courage to choose the best options for all involved, now and in the future. I'd like to thank each of you for joining Penny Crozier, Angie Check, and I today. I am deeply grateful that each of you are with us doing the best we can for our individual and collective evolution in the world today. Each day we create not only our future, but our children's future, and the future of all living beings in nature that support us and the earth as a whole. I'd like to say thank you to all of my sponsors for their amazing products. Thank you to any of you that buy anything from the sponsors. A little commission goes to support the podcast. And thank you all for doing your best to be the change in the world. We are safe, we are home, we are whole. Aho, great spirit. It is done, it is done, it is done. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check. 
For more information on the resources mentioned in this episode, you can read the show notes at checkinstitute.com forward slash podcast. You can find Paul on Instagram and TikTok at paul.check, on Twitter at paulcheck, or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash living4d with Paul Check. Watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com or visit the Czech Institute site at checkinstitute.com to find Paul's e-learning courses, advanced training programs, and to learn more about the Czech Academy. This podcast would not be possible without the support of our premier sponsors by Optimizers, Paleo Valley and Organifi, and our newest sponsors, Ned and Wild Pastures. Please show your appreciation by taking advantage of their special discount for listeners. The links are in the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review at the top of the show page on Spotify or at the bottom of the show page if you are listening on Apple Podcasts.